Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening from wherever you are. This is the Halligans and Half Wheels podcast brought to you by Box 1971, where we're changing the culture of the fire service one fireman at a time. Joined here in New Jersey by Chief Eddie. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Hey, look at that. The lights came on. And joined also by Mr. Curtis. How are you, sir? Great. How are y'all doing today? We are well rested from the evening, and we are sitting in God's office in small G. Small G in Wall Township, New Jersey. And as soon as we started shooting the podcast, the lights came on. That is the one and only unmistakable voice of Captain Bob Farrell, FDNY retired of Ladder 31. How are you, sir? I am fine today. You are great. Until you showed up. Until I <laughs> showed up. You had fair warning that we were coming. You even confirmed by email. Well... I make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes. To err is is human, but to forgive is divine. So what an incredible journey you have had in the fire service. Has been swell. Yeah. So take us through. I'd do it all over again, you know. You would. If your knees would hold out? If they'd hold out. <laughs> how, uh, how are things right here at Firehooks Unlimited? Uh, we're doing great. It's... Uh, well, this is going to be a banner year. Really? Even though the, no COVID this year. Right. It just <laughs> mysteriously disappeared. It did. Just gone. <laughs> well, where did the job start for you? Well, my father was in, uh, you probably never heard of miners and sappers. Have you ever heard that? That was uh, what they, if you go back into uh, San Francisco when they had the, the earthquake and the big fires. Okay. They had to blow down the buildings. Okay. Well, that was my father uh, in New York City Fire Department. Uh, he uh, he used to be the original bomb squad. Nobody even remembers it or even thinks about it's gone back so far, you know, years. And anyway, what happened is that if they found uh, a bomb, they would call him out in the middle of the night, and uh, he would go and take the bomb apart. In fact, he had one experience. I remember in the Lowy's Paradise Theater in the Bronx, they found 28 sticks of dynamite in a bomb, and he went up there and took it apart. And I said, Dad, what, did you evacuate the building? He said, no, no. He said, that would cause the panic. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so guess where we put the dynamite? Under my bed. <laughs> he took the primer out of it. So it's, uh, I'm a licensed blaster. I don't know whether you know that. Yeah, you were, what was that called, a sand hog? Oh, no. This was, uh, it goes from Powder Monkey, the guy who carries the dynamite, helps the blaster. But the blaster's the guy that actually do it, does the shot, you know. It's, uh, and I had a lot of experience in the service, of course. You know, it's, uh, but uh, I was brought up as a blaster uh, uh, in my father's knowledge of blasting, you know. Right. And uh, he also told me about that uh, in 1930s when the safe crackers used to crack the safe, they used to put it in nitroglycerin around the 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 sorry for the, the cracks of the the door yeah yeah and um, sometimes they uh, the alarm would go off and the cops would come and they'd run but leave the bottle of nitroglycerin there now my father was under city law at that time is to take the nitro down to pier 1 and dispose of it in, in the Hudson River well he said He's going down the West Side driveway one time, and the cop pulls him over, and he says, uh, uh, oh, I'm glad you, you can give me an escort down. I got some nitroglycerin I have to bring down to P1. The cop says, 
can I curse him? Fuck you. You can listen, Cap. You can do anything you want. We there there is no uh, there, there's no filter here. Well, that was fun. So so actually, I you know I was born and raised sliding a pole in the neighborhood because my father bring him down there to all the, and I go to the, the picnics with the firemen and so on. So, but uh, I was a blaster on the course of expressway, and I was making. At $187, where firemen were only making 100 My brother had a bar next to a firehouse. And he used to cash all the checks so the guys come in on payday, you know. And as firemen, as, as he always said, firemen can't, like, lace potato chips. They just can't eat one. So he had a rock <laughs> But anyway, I'd go in there, and they'd say, uh, you know, you coming into the fire department? Your father's here. He, he wants you in the fire department. I said, are you kidding me? I'm making $170. Let me see your paycheck. Well, in those days, they made $100, but they took off so much for their pension and stuff. It came out to about $87. I said, look, I'm making $187. You're making $87. So at the end of the year, I walked in. We got our W-2s, and they said, ah, let's see your W-2. And my W-2 was $4,200, and theirs was 5000 So I said, well, maybe I better go on the fire department. <laughs> so I took the test in uh, 1956. I... Uh, I held off my veteran's preference. That's uh, generally gets you uh, five points. Okay. So I held off, and uh, actually, John T. O'Hagan, uh, uh, he's the guy who really taught me how to study, but he was the commissioner and uh, chief of the department. You know? And let's get the. So anyway, I took the test, and I did very well. I, out of. There was, uh, out of 5,000 guys, five guys got 100 on the physical, and I was one of them. Which wow, is, which is amazing. I was in good shape then, you know. Not now, but good in shape then. But uh, uh, so I, I come out, scored high on the test, and of course, I held off the veterans' preference because I'm so happy I did it. Although I never used it on Billy's promotion, when uh, when I did go on the job, uh, a young fireman, you know, in second grade, I think, was John T. O'Hagan come into the fire department, into the ninth battalion. Excuse me. And he had this Sonella tool. And this was the first lock pulling to the lock tool for forcible entry. Okay. I said, how does it work? He says, I don't know. He said, I just was giving it to him. He said, where's it from? It's says, the Lieutenant Sonella up in Harlem. So I said, well, I took a ride up to him, saw the Lieutenant. The lieutenant was such a nice guy. He said, let me show you. I got a lock board. He was pulling these locks and I said, that, you know, it's great. It's one. I'll bring it downtown. And I'll start pulling locks, which I did. And it's, uh, the only trouble was it was that uh, it was tough on mortise locks. Now you know what a mortise lock is solid, yeah. solid round. But the other one has you can get it. So I took the another tool and I put a fork in it like this. Okay. So I could get the rim locks. But then when you got the the, the mortise lock, you had to go top, bottom, side. It was it was tough. So I. This is where I got in trouble when I was a second-grade fireman. And I found an old Halligan that uh, my captain wouldn't use because it wasn't an official tool. Uh, Chief Halligan, was, well, actually, he was a commissioner. He couldn't sell his tool to the fire service. Conflict of interest. Yep. So, But everybody bought him. In fact, Fort Truck bought it. But my captain was an official tool, so it was in the bed of the... So I took it out of the belt and I carved an A-type in it. I was pulling locks, the mortise lock, 
It was fantastic. Well, he found out and he said, hey, kid, here's, here's an address up in Parkchester, New York, uh, Parkchester in the Bronx, and I want you to go <coughs> buy a new Halligan on your course. I said, Jesus Christ, Cap, I only make, uh, I think it was 100 and at that time, $110 for 15 days. So wow. <laughs> I went up to the Bronx and knocked on this guy's door. I'm looking for a factory, but it wasn't. It was a Park Chester complex. It was a, an apartment complex. Anyway, I knocked on the door. And I said, am I in the right place? He says, Chief Halligan says, yeah, what are you here for? Buy a Halligan. Is this right? He says, yeah. He goes to a closet, picks one out. He says, 36 bucks. I said, holy shit, $36, that's a lot of money. You know, he says, all right, you a fireman? I said, yeah. We called ourselves firemen those days, not firefighters. He said, all right, give me $3 off. Give me $3 off. So now I take the tool. Next day I go down to my captain. He's still working. I said, here's your Halligan. You own the other one? He said, no way. That was bought by the people in this firehouse. That's crazy. <laughs> so, so, so uh, anyway, my uh, John T. O'Hagan was a captain rescue one, and he was a very smart guy. And he, and he, he got motor battalion chief, and I guess he was well hooked because he come into the ninth battalion. That's the bonton of the fire department. Is the third division ninth battalion. So he comes in. He didn't have a driver. So I worked with three guys. Uh, which were senior men, they all had 20 years on Malloy, McGregor, and Massey. So naturally, because <laughs> who was going to drive the Jeep, they weren't going to drive the Jeep. Sure. So they made me drive the Jeep. So the Jeep, I was driving along first night. Uh, I had dr- driven uh, the battalion commander, which was a super Jeep, Chief Hickett, but the, he taught me a lot of lot of things. Anyway, I'm driving O'Hagan, and we're going to different small fires. All of a sudden, we get one out of a, an attendant about three stories uh, out four windows. And he says, send a second alarm. I says, I didn't see any water in line yet. You know, so he said, I didn't send a second alarm. So the water goes in the line, goes up, the fire goes out. Shoot. Water does magic on a fire, as you all know. Yeah. It's a shocking thing. So he right? runs to me and says, did you send a second one? I said, no, I thought you said one and one the rest fresh. You know, it's a... He says, oh, oh did I? <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this this guy was, to me, was the... After dry, oh, by the way, I was driving for about six months. I said, where's your aid? He's always coming, he's coming, he's coming. So now I'm into eight months. I said, where's your aid? So he said, you want to be my aide? I said, no, I'm only a second grade fireman. I want to I wanna learn firefighting. He said, I'm going to be chief of the department, you know. I said, boy, this guy's got a lot of chutzpah. He's going to be chief of the department? I mean, 39 years of age, he was chief of the department. The guy was 39. amazing. 39 years of age, chief of the department, New York City fire department. But he, while driving, he used to say to me, uh, I'm going to change the the operation of this fire department. We said, you know, we have a tower ladder out in uh, 114 truck. He says, fantastic. It's, it does a lot of work, you know. He said, I'm going to have a towel ladder and a stick. You know, go at every alarm. You'll have two pieces on there. I said, how the hell is this guy going to do that? You know, it's a, but when when as years went by, we got towel ladders and sticks. Towel on a stick arrive at every fire, so it's a it's a magnificent thing. A stick to me is 
basically useless other than you want to vent some windows, you know, it's all maybe get to the roof, you know, but a tower ladder is the is the main thing of the fire department today. You I had a I had a one I picked this one out because uh, it was uh, 7313 and uh, everybody's how come you I had a choice of uh, 25 tower ladders they were, they had bought and how come you didn't get the 7331? I said it was <laughs> one of my chauffeurs said that's a dog it's so slow and everything so he's that's how we got the 7313 but uh, but um, where do you want to go from here? No, uh, <laughs> we could we could sit and listen to you all day. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing better than an aerial scope, though. Oh, it's, you can't. I had eighty-eight thousand miles on my seventy-three thirteen when I, but only in three years, and <laughs> and saying that's and absurd. Three, and three hundred ninety thousand motor miles. So that means it's in the air working. You know, it's a, but I, very funny. I used to take cornices off of buildings. Uh, I mean, you couldn't believe it. I used it as a derrick, you know. I picked up a car one time and... <laughs> yeah, they're they're stout. Oh, this is one I had. The, the Baker boom was... Yeah. Inside that Baker, he screwed me at $8,000. Now that I think about it. He <laughs> oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ordered all kinds of tools before he went out of business and he went bankrupt. <laughs> oh, down in Richmond? Yeah. <laughs> 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 send him the bill. Yeah, send him. He's like a baby. We, we sent him lots of bills, but he, he didn't you know, pay him. <laughs> but um, how did you move from uh, four trucks in, in Manhattan, right? Four trucks, yeah, 48 8th. It's the Times Square area. It's the toughest place in the world to work, barring any. There isn't, it's got every every uh, type of occupancy in there, response to old law, new law. H's even has a frame, which is the old Queen Anne out of Queens, has one of those in the district, you know. But they has fires. You could have a fire three floors below the street. You know, it's uh, sub 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 sellers. You know, yeah. in fact, the New York Times fire that was, uh, I think that was the third alarm. We lost two guys on that. You know, mm. and uh, in fact, there's a usual thing. A friend of mine, I was the tillerman at the time in Fort Truck, and and this fellow wanted to get died to drive the tiller so i said okay drive the tiller i'll make a mutual with you he, you know he begged me begged me begged. so i took off this night that's the night our normal response would is to go to the roof on a, on the first two truck you know and he didn't know enough he was out of a squad company of an engine company he didn't know what to go up there so he, he went down trying to get down the cellar well the two guys that went upstairs lost their lives they had um, Carbon monoxide poisoning, you know, it's uh, both of them. And the, the, the senior man of a probie, and he dragged the probie down, threw him out the window, and then threw his helmet onto the second roof. And every when you see a helmet, that's supposed to be a fireman's in bad shape, you know. Right. So we did, but by the time they got him, they both were dead. You know, it's uh, what a shame, you know. Mm. So, um, well, but, when did you go to the, when did you go to the Bronx? I was, uh, due to, Chief O'Hagan, he taught me how to study. He said, you studying, kid? I said, no, nah, I haven't got the youth. You know, I'm not for me. So he said, uh, come on, there's going to be a test coming up in about a year. Uh, well, it was a little less than a year, I think about nine months. He says, if you, you take my um, uh, thoughts and I, let me guide you and... I'll make you a lieutenant. I said, well, that's, I said, I studied for, <clears throat> for for four and five years and never make a lieutenant. He said, you do it my way and I'll make you a lieutenant. He said, what we're going to do is not study up. You're not going to study for cheap apartment. 
you've got to study what firemen do because that's who you're supervising. So he said, all I want you to do is read all your, whatever fire the firemen do, <clears throat> evolutions, anything, just study for firemen. You're not studying for lieutenant, you're studying for firemen. That's who you're supervising. That's what I did. I aced the test. Aced it, you know. It's, but he said, don't use a veteran preference. So I still had the veteran preference. Use that for cheap, he said. You can only use that once in your career? One, you only can use it once. I never used it, by the way. It's, uh, I was up to battalion chief, and I, 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 act, I was on the list, but they would. I was far down. I didn't study for it. You know? I didn't want to be a chief, to be honest with you. <laughs> I enjoyed being a captain. You know, I was the, I, I, like I always said, this is my castle, and I'm the king. You know, it's, <laughs> so. Well, so we I, had- we introduced you as God. How did you get that nickname with a with a little G, not yeah, a big little G. G? Well, when I was covering lieutenant in the sixth division, you cover all engines, trucks, and I think so. I finally covered thirty one trucks, and uh, I was after I did my roll call, and they were all looking at me, Johnny Lieutenant, you know, Johnny Lieutenant. So anyway, we got a fire down maybe two blocks south of thirty one, and it was uh, an old lieutenant, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, and. The fire was coming, smoking at the back window, but it was a single building alone. And I said to the chauffeur, put your stick up, send the root man up there. So he he he, he did, I didn't know, I'm in the building now. So I go up to the fire floor, and of course it's locked. And I got the can man with me, and where the hell's the iron man? You know, the iron man isn't here, you know. So I said to the kid, all right, take your hook, hit the sonolator, I carry the sonolator, hit the sonolator, I pulled the lock, and I opened the door. And we all go down to the van. The kid's operating the can, but the windows don't break. And I said, what's happening here? You know, it's a... Anyway, the engine finally comes up, and they uh, stretch a line. They put out the fire, you know. But uh, So I got back to the company, and I had roll call. I said to them, gentlemen, this is probably the worst truck company I ever worked with in my lifetime. None of us did what you're supposed to do. The chauffeur maybe did his job, he put the stick to the roof, and the roof man went up, but the roof man didn't break those windows, which he should have, and I'm taking a feed, my can man's taking a feed, and those windows didn't go, so you didn't do your job, did you? And the roof man's looking at me like, um, who is this guy, you know? I said, now, who was the who was the forcible entry man, Mr. Seebeck? <laughs> and Alan Seebeck, I said, what is with you running through? Well, we know, thought we had to cut the roof, and the roof was up. But you didn't think about forcible entry? I said, would you leave me to think about what? Anyway, I said, you didn't do your job either. <laughs> so they, they got back. <clears throat> they, they said, all right, you're dismissed. But I, uh, I'd like to see each one of you in my office just to go over this so the next time we out, you'll know what to do. So going up the city, he says, that fucking Johnny Lieutenant, he thinks he's God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got the nickname. They go, go. So the next the next uh, tour, they're going to teach me a lesson, right? The Johnny Lieutenant is a night tour now. So we get the first fire. Right? So we get <laughs> Islands at the door. He says, I'm here now, Lou. So I said, well, force the fucking door then to be here. So... <laughs> <laughs> he forces he forces the door and I said, Hold it boys, I go first. And they uh, so I go into the I, I knew um, control breathing from the Navy. I learned how to control I could take a feed better than anybody, you know, it's, uh, so I don't breathe, you know, it's uh, so it all oh, 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 oh. I said, Get that 
irons up, irons up. I kept saying, can up, irons up. And they're they coming up. The can man was good. He was a good. But the, uh, Alan's coughing, coughing, coughing. So I said, do you need a relief? You need to go outside and take a blow. You know, it's, if you don't want to fight fires, you know. Damn. <laughs> 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 the Johnny Lieutenant is telling the senior, <laughs> the tough firefighters, a uh, 31 truck. <laughs> well, they were completely... Um, uh, I, I'd say they were, they were doing, they were freelancing. Sure. Every, they didn't know, you know, long, um, Mike DeLate out of Harlem, he come out with a, uh, a way to, a truck company should operate. And then, of course, uh, Ladder 3 come in, but John O'Regan wrote Ladder 3, and he kind of took more from the Lake selection, and, and it come out. And, of course, chief of department was now John T. O'Hagan, and he made Ladder Street Standard in the fire department, which is nothing but uh, the chauffeur got the front of the building, the, the roof man got the roof, the can, the, the can man, is the irons man, that's the forcible entry, and the office is there. Yeah? And uh, the roof man is responsible for the outside vent because he only had four guys in those days. And then right. when he got the fifth guy, that became the outside vent man. Of course, that made it, but everything was standard then, you know, it's, uh, which was good. I think I think that standardized the whole fire department as far as uh, truck operations, you know. It's, uh, but um, they they tried it, they tested me, kept testing me, you know, and I kept testing them. And they says, <laughs> this guy can take it, but I think he is God. <laughs> It's a battle of wills, and yeah. you will win, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Willie was the—he was the captain of Thirty One Truck, and named Billy Grimes, you know. And uh, they called him Mr. Willie, with respect. Sure, <laughs> you know, Mr. Willie. But they didn't call to his face, Mr. Willie. He was, uh, you know, boss. But uh, I'll say, Mr. Willie—that we got a nickname anyway. But Mr. Willie asked me, would I take? Because I'm as a stiff ass, and yeah, I, he said he wouldn't take any shit from these guys, so he said, "I want you." <laughs> so, anyway, I became a lieutenant. I stayed there oh, six, six years, seven years, and I took the captain's test, and I aced the captain's test. Thinking of uh, old John T. Study down, and I did study down. And I aced it, you know. So I didn't use my veterans yet. So saving it for chief, you know. And chief steps come along, and I passed it. I didn't study for it, but I passed it. I was on the bottom of the list, you know. I don't think they were. They were. I think they almost got me, but uh, I was on medical leave, so they. Uh, I don't think they would have promoted me anyway. But anyway, the. Um, uh, I worked a year and three quarters as a as a chief, you know, and I didn't want to be a chief. And all of a sudden, when I was an acting chief, I kind of liked it. And the, re <laughs> the reason I liked it is that. Uh, I had, I could pick go up to a, a building, and I the layout would be in my mind. I knew every building in my area, old Lord tenements, new Lord tenements, H's, you name it. I, I, had, I used to click on my head. So, actually, I was a good chief when you think about. It. I knew where the pipes were. In a in a H shape apartment, there's only two way, three. I should say four ways of uh, auto exposure goes out the windows. Uh, they had these channel rails. Very rarely would, would extend on that one, but there was two areas of um, extension of fire. One was outside the the bedroom of. Uh, I talk, I'm Italian. I talk with my hands. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> anyway, outside the the, um, 
the bedroom was a, a bathroom. In the bathroom, outside the bathroom, in a closet, was all the pipes going to the roof. You know, it's the soil pipes, you know. Now, in the kitchen, uh, there's there's the water and there's the gas pipes, you know. That's, so that's the two areas of expansion, you know. Right. Now, in my... When when the Bronx burned, uh, the they formed a... Like a little uh, little city hall in Southern Boulevard, you know, and they would get all the burnouts from the uh, H's that were leaving for for uh, better area. Let's put it that way. When I first went there, the H's, the cold, there was the poet area. They were you never went there because it was a Jewish neighborhood that kept it nice, little airmail in the yard, you know, airmail is garbage, you know, it's. Uh, but we never went there. So then all of a sudden when Co-op City opened up and the the fire started to burn there, they these people left. So the whole Jewish population left, you know, in a in a period of about five years, you know. But the first guys that left were the walk-ups. The elevators stayed for the last, you know, at the elevator apartment house. So the walk-ups were the first Areas to burn. The first, I think, it was the first H's ever burning in the city of in the city of New York was uh, the Poet area. You know, that's you've heard of John Salker. I yeah. know him. Now oh, yeah. he was the battalion chief, 18th. Of course, many many years after I left. Sure. He that was his area, and when uh, and it, there was an awful lot of buildings left for him to to burn. You know, these 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 could hold for. You could have 50 fires in the building and it would hold. You know, it's. Uh, but what the landlords they got smart. Now I don't I, I don't think I can blame the landlords. They had rent controlled. Now oil went up, uh, salaries went up, everything you can think of. Went, and yet the guys were paying for four room apartment forty two dollars. So you know and this guy couldn't. So what did they do? They started to say, how can I raise the rent? So we started going to fires in the poet area. Where under they'd have garbage under the. The gas meters, which is the pipes going to the roof, is the gas water and go up to the kitchen. So he would set a fire there in, in garbage, and who who know who his torch was? We don't know that. But anyway, I kept getting fires in the kitchen. I couldn't figure something. We have to go to the top floor, be fire up there. We have to open all the the the, the kitchen walls all the way down from the sixth floor down, and naturally we shut the water and the gas and the people in that area. They couldn't live there anymore, so they moved out. The landlords come in, they they redone the apartments, collect the uh, the insurance, of course. Sure. Did um, corrected the apartments, raised the rent five times. What those paid, so they were all getting on. Every time they had a fight, they raised the rent. You know, to, so that's what the destruction of the South Bronx really is. is from. It was the landlords, but I I I pity the landlords because they couldn't afford to run the buildings. You know. Right, and um, then of course Gasoline Gomez, you you've heard of him. Yep. That's my favorite guy. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would he knew his building construction as far as where he poured the gasoline. He on a roof they had vents, and he he'd knock off the vents, pour gasoline in the cockloft, and set that boy. Once the cockloft goes, it's we got to come up. We got once we cut the roof, the building is forget about it. You know it's. Uh, I used to try to hold my men from cutting roofs, you know, which was try different things. It didn't work. So the Bronx burned. <laughs> what was that? What was that like? I mean, that's Mike well, was talking about it. We talked with Mike and he was he said sometimes you take in four, six fires a day. Oh, that's nothing. 
That's, I, I went, uh, one, I do, did it when I was a lieutenant. I did, had a mutual where you work uh, his guys, other lieutenants tour. Like I had the day tour, and I worked the night tour for him. And he, the next day, he would the day and night. I had 98 runs and 13 f structural fires. In a 24-hour period? 24-hour period. Nobody believes it. It's very hard to believe. But we would, I'm, I was a great overhaul in, in vacant wow. buildings, especially that I go front to rear, stay in a, and I put a trench down the, the apartment, you know, and front to rear. And, the, and, I, and I leave, say the engine, wash both sides, I'm gone, you know. And I go to another fire, you know. Trucks were the, were wanted more than engine. Engines, you know, at a, at a box you get three engines and two trucks. Well, naturally, the, I went, went in with 42 truck and 19 truck, and but they'd be out to other jobs, so you, you, you didn't get a second to truck. So my, my uh, friend, Mr. O'Hagan, come out with a above the fire team. And, and if you see uh, uh, Man Alive, you look, you see all the men on there? Yeah. Well, the reason that is that they had the above the fire team. They gave us two more men. But a little dangerous because I always... Got a guy that was a senior guy. He had a handy talking and he's forcible entry tools. And I'd always send a, a senior guy, make him an acting lieutenant, and he'd go above the fire. But two guys going above the fire, him have to force the door, they have to do the search. It's not, it wasn't a good thing, but uh, that's why you see so many on uh, Seven Men. You know? Yeah, there was a lot of guys in that yeah. documentary. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like working with Dennis Smith? I well then I was at every one of his fires in a book, but he didn't he didn't particularly like me because he called me a hard ass. You know, it's uh, I made him wash the toilets. That was one of the things that he didn't like. God rest his soul. Didn't like washing toilets. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> but then he was in the engine. He uh, he uh, he had his thing, I guess. With the, I was in, I don't want to talk about guys in the engine. No, no, <laughs> no it just you know that that documentary put things that put La Casa Grande kind of. On the map for folks that didn't know, yeah, right, right. So, <clears throat> about I, I eighty-two engine and thirty-one that, yeah. truck. But you couldn't, you know, you go to work at night. You get on a rig. I I generally go in an hour early, do a little paperwork, and I get on a rig and I'm going from fire to fire to fire, false alarm, rubbish, car fire, <clears throat> coming out four windows. You know, you know, just but. <laughs> It's just every night was the same thing. When you went to work, you went to work. It's, uh, and they, um, they, my, my boss once again come out with a new thing. He says the interchange program, you know. And what he did is that if you did 17 runs, you interchange with the, our company was 144 in Queens. We're in a quiet area, you know. So, but I don't want to go there. You know, it's uh, it just didn't bother me to go. I'd rather stay in my own area. I knew the area. I had good men, and I used to say to my men, look, I'm not interchanging if I can. I used to take a page with 17. We do 26 runs, you know. So I'd take a page out, seven in. <laughs> Sheep would look at us, oh, you only did eight runs last night. I dined my, okay, you're staying. You know? <laughs> he didn't want me to go anyway. You, know? <laughs> you, found a, you found a way to be a habitual line stepper. Yeah, and there was another one. Is that I, Two and a half hours of fire duty. I was, so that page, I had to take out. because No matter where it was, two and a half hours. And I used to throw the faults and I was out the window, you know. It's a, that was one of the stories. They had 82 and 85 were in my quarters. Both of them did nine, ten thousand 10,000 runs. And I only did 8,000. Only 8,000. So they said, how come, the chief got me one day, the deputy, how come they do, 
you go out with both of them. When 82 goes south, you go with them. 85 goes north, you go with them. How come you're 80,000 and they're, and they're close to 10,000? I used to throw the false alarms out the window I said, when I worked at it. So. That's a... It's it's a different time now. Oh boy! It's a, now they do medical runs. Yeah, we didn't have we did. They called us for medical runs, but we really didn't uh, like they do today. You, I think the first two engine <coughs> has to go on a medical run, you know, and, and they're all um, EMTs and trained and stuff like that. But we didn't have any of that. Then. Right, none of that fancy stuff. But right? I delivered babies. I was about to say, but you did deliver a baby. I delivered a baby. Yeah, you know, I did more than one. In fact, the Frankie Burns, he was the deputy chief. He says to Louie and I, from now on, you're the the mothers of the. Every time I get any baby born, you're gonna be the house mothers. <laughs> <laughs> I said, chief, give us a break. We got our own. You know? <laughs> <coughs> when did you When did you get off the job? And uh, 1980, uh, 80, I think it was. Uh, I didn't want to go off. My knees got me off. I couldn't work anymore. That's why I wanted to be a chief. I got the incentive of being chief because I could just get out of the car and point. <laughs> you got a, you've got a good point. <laughs> That's the first step, right? But uh, I used to go into the fires with the <coughs> with the brothers, see how they're doing. You know, it's a, it's like I always said: a fire department isn't a, a job; it's a vocation. You, I don't think there's any fireman that I ever met didn't like. I don't know what it is today. I think it's changed, but no, uh, oh, it's far from what you're talking <coughs> about. It is terrible. Yeah, it it's is. That thing. I heard guys knock the fight up. I says, "How can you knock that job? It's a job. You love that job. You know, it's a yeah." And you know the same thing. What's the job? The kitchen. You know, the, the cooking and then the, the bowl busting. You know, it's a. You got, I used to do this to them though. I. I'd go down to the kitchen, be dirty, and 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 you only could do this once a year, though. It's a, and I take the dishes on the. We had tile walls, and I take the dishes, smash them up against the wall, and go upstairs. <laughs> and they say, he'd send up the senior man, the guy who my chauffeur or something like that, or a guy of like Buddy Crosley. Him and I were finding a Ford truck, so now he's working up on my chauffeur, and they send him up. He say, anything wrong, Cap? No, nothing wrong. What's what's, what's the matter? You sure? Trouble with the wife? No, no. <laughs> oh, you, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. I go down to the kitchen, you can eat off the floor. <laughs> but you can only do it once, once a year. <laughs> I pull that one. But the best way I go into the kitchen in the morning was the best one. Did you hear, boys? You know, I used to write my roll call in the kitchen. I wouldn't, you're supposed to write at the desk at the, you know, the housewife. I never did. I always had the kitchen. I have a cup of coffee and I write my roll call. Boys, did you hear? They're cutting out overtime for firemen. Only going to give it to officers. And I take my book and go upstairs. <laughs> and they hear them go, I'll call the union. I'll do this. I'll do this. <laughs> Start Who's a riot my shop steward? Start a riot in the morning. You know, it's <laughs> nothing like laughing the fire. You know, I, I always felt sorry for the cops. So they, you know, we had the 41 priests. It was the murder capital of the world in those days. And uh, two guys are in a car. That's all I got is two guys. They, they're into that shit all day long. We went out and did our thing. We went back, closed our doors. We're amongst each other, you know. It's a, but the cops, they have. 
But we used to feed the cops when they wanted, you know. It's a, they go to Hunts Point and say, what do you want today? We're going to send over three cars tonight. <laughs> say, roast beef, ham, what do you want? They used to bring cheesecakes. Oh, my God, the cheesecakes from Lindy's were made up in the, in the Bronx. But they bring them in the quarters. Anyway, we could, I, I, I don't think I could get arrested up there. It was, uh, we had a good report with the police department. And, you know, it's nowadays, you know, the, the rescues... Screwed that well, not after you. Yeah, you, uh, you know what it is. The they're, they're fighting over, you know, guy in a river, and cops are jumping in with guns and firing <laughs> them. You know what the hell is going on? But anyway, the rescues and the police emergency started the war, and then of course it lead goes into the precinct, and and uh, like my my wife's cousin was <coughs> uh, charged of police emergency, you know, and I used to say to him, why don't you go go get that through the lock business, you know. And he said, Bob, we know through the lock. He says, they fiddle with a the lock. They dump the dope or they shoot through the door. He said, we got to shock them. So I don't know whether you knew this. I have a, a patent on a one-man battery in them. I don't know if you ever knew that. I didn't know that. It's a, a legitimate patent on them. And somebody said, you can't do that. I said, why? Nobody did. I did. It. I, I did it myself, by the way. Is that the KO? No, no, that's um, just a one-man battery. Okay. The KO is a two. Okay. It's got two handles. That's the difference, you know, so two men can use it. But. But anyway, he said, that's what I want. I want to go and bang, shock them so they, they were in shock. And then we bust in and we get them, you know, before they dump the dope. I, said, I guess it makes sense. You know, but, uh, well, where uh, did where did Fire Hooks Unlimited come from? Where did that come into play? Well, uh, I invented so many things for New York City Fire Department when I was on the Fire Department. You know, I, I had a, like a can, the extinguisher holder. I made that, my uh, God, it was in four truck, you know. So I was used to work with a fireman down at Tony Romanoli. Well, Tony became chief in charge of the shops. So he called me up one day and he said, hey, Bob, I need those extinguisher holders. I said, how many do you need? He said, well, I'm going to put one on every, it'll be about 500, 600 eventually. And I, I said, wait a minute. You know, I started to think, I wasn't incorporated. So I said, will you give me a little time? Well, how much time do you need? Ah, a month or two. He said, oh, fine. So I incorporated myself, myself. I incorporated New York State, and it had to be to deal with New York City. And then I, I ordered these uh, aluminum tubes, one inch high, the ones that he was all seen. Well, he wanted 200. So I lived in Scarsdale, New York. Now, Scarsdale, New York is, you don't, it's like Camelot, you know, it's uh, Anyway, what I was, I put the windows, I was making uh, mini probars. I put blankets over the windows when I welded so nobody would see it. Anyway, I go to the bank and the truck pulls up with 200 of these 12 inch by 8 inch tubes. And my wife is there and she gives the guy, I think, 50 bucks. Can you help me put it in the garage? Well, the two of them walking up and down the drive. The next day, you can't do that here. <laughs> Building inspector knocked on my door. So I said, oh, jeez. So I had to find another place. I found a little place down in in, uh, in Yonkers, in Soul Miller River Road. It was my first place. I invented a place about the size of this room, 10 by 10, just for welding station. I was making welding. I was doing those cans. And then I got busier and busier. Then he said to me, Tony said, hey, I, I can't get anybody to make hooks. So I said, well, I started to make the hooks. And I can't get anybody to have, well, my friend, uh, my cousin, Bill McLaughlin, he's the 
the guy who started the proba. You know, he's yep. the, he's and the Kato, You know, yep. he did the Kato. So he, uh, I started selling his because he came. He became the commissioner in Yonkers. So he couldn't sell the tools, so I was doing his selling. The, then now he's he's down golfing in Florida, and I'm still and you're still here working. We're doing his tools. <laughs> <laughs> but Billy was a he was a he was a fireman in nineteen truck, and I was in thirty one, and we rolled in together, you know. And when after I was carrying the Sonoma tool, I mean with an A type in it. I said, I got a K A tool, and you got a K tool, which is better. But his was taken by uh, the fire department. He was, he was the only man who was ever allowed to sell tools to the fire department. They, John T., my old boss, he allowed Billy to sell because it was so good. You know, a K tool. We didn't know anything. I mean, this was never in any fire department in the country pulling locks. You know, right. and his K tool, you know, did it. So. Uh, Naturally, he became. I was still selling his K tools. Then I started to sell them. But anyway, Billy, uh, Billy today is in Florida. He's nice and retired. He still calls me and says, "I'm sending the the foundry's going to send you two thousand bobs, bars, Bob. <laughs> Do a good job, sell them." <laughs> <laughs> Where is the foundry at? Is it in Alabama? No, in New York. It's uh, Cooper Tools. Cooper Tools. Yeah. So. Uh, but they're they're getting very high, you know. It's uh, I have to find somebody else. You know, it's uh, they're really getting out of out of hand, you know. Everything is yeah. Everything's out of control. Well, steel uh, aluminum is. I used to pay five bucks for aluminum handle. Actually, I don't use a. I use a property. I use what they call Olmag. Okay. It's as strong as steel, but as light as aluminum. You know, it's, uh, I used to pay five bucks for. And guess what they are now? Eleven seventy five. This has only happened last year, though. It's, uh, Just jumped. Eleven seventy-five from five bucks. So that's aluminum, yeah. Well, I think you did your first price hike. The what? You did your first price hike increase. Your, yeah, I'm your first increase. It since yeah, first price mm -hmm. in history in twenty something yeah, years. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> and I, I, and I'm still holding this from last August. And yeah. guys keep saying, "How come you haven't raised?" I say, "I'm going to have to someday." You know. To, right. But you know, I don't want to rob the fire. I'm into one of my own. You know, it's. A, <laughs> That's one thing that I wish people would understand is that, you know, just because it says fire on it doesn't mean you have to break it off in us. And they do it. Oh, they do. Yeah. It's it, it's hurtful. Talk to me about, um, I love this story. When you uh, when you went to talk to Chief Halligan about getting the, uh, acquiring the Halligan tool, I, I love this story. Well, you remember when he answered the door and I bought it for $36? No, no, no. When, when you wanted to get the patent. Oh, oh, we asked him keeping his name on it. Yeah, and yeah, he wanted well, to change it. it now, uh, well, we asked him we're going to change it. Uh, you know, we, do you mind us changing your tool? And he said, no, I, I don't mind. It's just, uh, you know, he didn't want us to sell it to New York City. Of course, he had that they'd never bought it. I, mean, I think he had a hard on for New York City. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, that burned him probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. But, uh, the guy was 96 years of age, you know, and he was as sharp as you can, you know, he was really, he used to make rosy beads. That was very, uh, that's what his hobby was after he, he no more halligans, <laughs> just rosy beads he was making. You know, wow. A, amazing guy, though. I deal with his son called up, uh, his grandson, I should say, he called me up and he said, I have uh, seven children or his or grand his great grandchildren i'd like to give them original halligan Ooh. so i says uh 
I know they were starting to get one dope put it on on the internet fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, old old fun. Anyway, I had a little thing. I got one, but I had I had to give one guy up in in Massachusetts got me for uh, three six foot roof hooks, uh, two uh, two Maximus mods, and uh, and what else did he get me? Oh, a can holder. I know that uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, there are two original Halligan tools still in service to this day. I found that out when when you were trying to locate those Halligans, and I tried to go down that same rabbit hole. I finally got seven of them, but it cost me. I'll tell you what it cost me. uh, One one guy said to me, I want want, uh, $1,000. So I said, "Come on, what are you, you know? Come on, give me, give me, let me, let me trade with you." So he gave, I gave him axes, I gave him this, and I got. He probably got more than a thousand off me, but I got the seven tools for the for the Halligan family. You know, then I was called down uh, to the museum in New York City mm-hmm. because they wanted to make a display of the the pro bars, the the duck bills, all the stuff that I make the the the. Uh, the, uh, the hydraulic tool the, that they call it the bunny now they don't call it the, the hydroram <laughs> they call it the bunny <laughs> anyway i was down there and i met the halligan family and it was such a interesting people you know they, they're all sweetheart people you know it's a, and, and i was so and um, john let me think of his name now uh he was a brooklyn lieutenant he made this beautiful cabinet with the mount these tools in it, you know, it's a, and um, and I'm down there for the day with them. It was really a trip, and I asked him. I said, "I hope, I hope you don't mind us. You know, we still." I wanted to call it the Halligan, but he had a trademark, I think, on the Halligan. And uh, in fact, Paratech come out with the Halligan. They made a change. They had to change the Hooligan. Yeah, because he had a uh, the family had a, a, a trademark on the Halligan name. You know. Those things are junk, though. They're pinned. Hey, man. Ah. This, you know, I met the guy one time in the Concord, and I said to him, you know, you were making a good tool when you welded them, but when you started pinning them, they fell apart. And I said, why don't you go back to weld them? He said, I don't have anybody to weld them. Oh, he wasn't interested. Yeah, you got to buy a welding machine. You got to do this. Get it. So it would have, you know, made the tool better than, because... Uh, Here's a story. The editor of Fire Engineering wrote an article about the bed tools. It falls apart eventually and everything. Well, Paratex, they did a lot of advertising with uh, with uh, Fire Engineering. So, But the guy in Fire Engineering said, look, I'm telling the truth. So he said, we're going to sue you. So he was he was a captain in Brooklyn. He ran the Fire Engineering in, uh, in those days. And he called me. He says, shit, I'm getting sued over the, over the... I said, guess what? I got a magazine that says, from Paratech, says that this tool is so good, if it, if it separates, you can... You can uh, in other words, if it falls apart, it can be repaired. I said, well, this is your route. He says, it falls apart. <laughs> so, so he went to, went to his lawyer. His lawyer went out and Paratech let, let off. You know, they, they stopped the lawsuit, you know, so. It's a silly world, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's a silly world. Crazy. We we uh, I make a I make a Halligan here. We call it the house developed Halligan. 
it's as good as any one-piece tool. But how I do it is uh, I have the ends drop forwards. See, there. So then I just weld the bar. But my, my fork has a pin in it. It goes into the, to the steel. Into the shaft? And into the shaft. In the shaft I have, it's a, a half-inch pin. And it goes into the shaft. And the, and the other end, the fork and thing, the bar goes, is, it's recessed and it's chamfered. That goes into this. So you'd never break this thing in 100 years. I, well, you can't even tell that it's welded. And, and, and you, that's very true. And it's, well, you can't even tell. You think it's a one-piece tool. Yes. Two, but I call it house-developed. But it's much cheaper than uh, than the Pro Bar because I can make it here. You know, it's, uh, Anything I make here is can be cheap because uh, I buy the best best material and uh, we put it together here and these guys I have it very good you know it's a, so I've had some of these guys 14 15 years you know originally I had them when I moved from from Yonkers they used to get on all my men got, came, got on a, a van and came down every day back and forth every day before I found people down here that's a haul in that 80 miles and the chauffeur, who was my first employee, never missed a day. I used to call him, stay home, there's ice on the road. I'll be there, I'll be in. He was there, you know, it's, uh, Florio. It's wow. First employee. All the other guys found living down here, they, and uh, then they all left. Now you got all guys I have in the back now, about 15 years here, you know. All good. They're all hard workers. I, I don't have to go back and look, they're working. You know, you walk them back, they're working. You know, yeah. And they're always polite too. Oh yeah, they're oh, very, they're... very nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're unbelievable. Yeah, and illegal too. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, son of a bitch. They 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 decided they did it the right way. Well, know? that's that's so, the way it's supposed yeah, to be done, yeah. right? Yeah. So, what's one of your most memorable fires? Memorable fires. Well, I had one one time that. When I was an acting chief, and we had a, an eight-shave apartment house, and I was coming out every window from cellar to roof on all sides. And I says to the dispatcher, <laughs> I think I was what, the 14th battalion, battalion one, four to the Bronx. You come in town, you play four. Uh, I'm going to use a towel out of 17. I want, uh, I want uh, you send me over of 29. So he says, I got one engine. Hey, give me another engine. I'll say two engines, one truck. He said, what do you got? I got an eight shape. It's coming out of 144 windows. <laughs> he says, uh, you're coming out, what, how many windows? 144. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, so it's two and two in the West Fest. <laughs> I never went to a second alarm. The deputy come over and said, Jesus Christ, Bob. <laughs> got all this play, you only use it. That's all I need. That's it. It'll go out. Right? Oh, yeah. You put water on the fire, it'll go out. Special towel. They, they, uh, they, all in New York City, they use the solid inch and five-eighths pipe. You know, that's, uh, that's, the, I got a fog nozzle downstairs that's worth over $1,000. You couldn't give it to them. <laughs> they wouldn't take it. Really? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, here's a funny story. I can say it now. The poor guy is dead. You know, in, in uh, <laughs> task force tips. Okay. The owner, original owner, was. Uh, yeah, they they were very nice guys. They, but they get the, the automatic nozzle. I hated the automatic nozzle. I didn't want to tell them that, but I hated it. You know, when I was, I did more engine work on overtime than people. My, 
uh, when I did overtime, it was always in engines. I wouldn't take the trucks because I, I shouldn't say I wouldn't take the truck, but I couldn't get the trucks because all the smarties would take the trucks because it's less work. Engines go all by themselves, so you're doing 30 runs a night with engine, maybe two or three fires, you know. So uh, on overtime, but I was studying on overtime instead of studying. I could never study home. I was studying for chief. You know? That was good. My knees were going, so uh, I figured I'm going to be a chief. You know, I could go like this. Point. <laughs> Just <know>? point. <laughs> Talk on the radio. <laughs> so the, the 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 deputy says to me, Bob. You got to get more people here. Yes, you guys said, no, I'm going to just surround and drown. That's the whole thing. They got the towel on on one side of the building. He can do two sides. The other guy goes on the other side. He can do the two sides. Well, we'd have a long time, but we finally put it out. You know, it's uh, 144 winners. How did you figure 144? I said, there's 12 here, 12 here, 12 here. <laughs> I can math pretty good. <laughs> Each side had a, had a twelve, you know. Uh, so anyway, that was the. That, I shouldn't say this. Uh, there were larger fires that uh, I, can't, I can't think any that was any more. Fire's fire. What's the difference? What? How big it is? You know? Sure. It's big, small. Sometimes there's just funny events that happen. You know. Well, just things that make you chuckle. You know. <laughs> and then you go back and you break a guy's stones at the kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had I, at the kitchen table in our house. We had. Uh, Two engines. Uh, we had the truck, and then we got the TCU. It was in the same house. As the same. Imagine the kitchen then with all those guys. You know, it's a, That'd be like a party. Oh, man. It's unbelievable. Wow. No more drinking in the firehouses. Huh? No more drinking. You, no more. You, they catch you with a can of beer in New York, you're fired. Imagine that. <clears throat> wow. In the old, old days, was part of the meal was beer. It was uh, or a glass beer. of wine. No man, no no hard stuff. Most, okay. most beer, you know. I shouldn't say that. There was an Italian chief when I was in Fort Troy. Used to, I, I used to run down and get. Let me think. Tavola. I just have to remember the name. <laughs> Had check checkboards on the on the label, but he, he'd go get the Tavola. <laughs> yeah, so. We, Mama Leone's in Fort Troy, we, she left in a will that she feeds the cops and firemen. We, we were Tuesdays and Fridays. Cops were open. They had a room upstairs. They could eat, you know, any cop wanted to eat. They could go up to the room and they could eat. And Mama Leone's used to allow us to, to go with pots. And, uh, but I had, a, I had a little trick that nobody else did, is that the head chef, in my day, I'd, I'd go up and say, Chef, how are you tonight? Oh, hello, Bobby. I give him $5 in hand. You'll put it in my hand. I don't need that. I don't know. But he needed it. He, that $5 was, was a respect. Right. And, he, and he'd say, what do you want tonight, Bobby? I said, i leave it up to you. you know, prime ribs of beef. He'd come in, you know, these huge streets. <laughs> and then the deputies, one of the deputies down said, is Bob Farrell working tonight? Because I used to get, they used to get spaghetti and meatballs, you know. i get, I get lobster. <laughs> what are you doing? We had a, we had a, a pot of shrimp. Now, we used to throw out, this guy, Harold Papman and I, we, we counted the shrimp, five in a shrimp. We put about $500 worth of shrimp. We used to throw in a big, colossal shrimp, you know. Sure. And we throw them in the garbage. So I says to him, my wife, I, let's bring Jaws home. So we used to bring Jaws home of shrimp. <laughs> my, my wife would be drooling. you see me coming down the path with these huge shrimps, you know. It's, but Mama Leone left in the will to feed the firemen. I don't think they have it anymore. 
Wow. No, Fort Truck. I, I haven't met anybody in Fort Truck. They said, oh, that Mamalee owners is gone. That's right. So they they lost that. Yeah. Do you go into the city much anymore? No. I haven't been. You know, last time I was in a city, I went to a funeral, mm. which I hate to go to funerals. Yeah. In fact, one of uh, one of the best guys, Injuman, I ever seen just died lately, Jimmy Stark. And he was he he uh, was with eighty two, then he became a captain. He was down in Harlem. He was the captain. I think uh, that was a thirty four truck, thirty four engine. I think it was. But he just died. Now he's he was a Korean War veteran, so he's my age. You know? Right. Yeah. Mm. So he just I couldn't make the funeral because I it's way up in Monroe, New York. I didn't even know where the hell Monroe, New York was. You know. It's, well, we would we would be remiss if we did not talk about your book, The War Years. That you wrote with J.M. Kearney. This book is, Curtis, you, you kind of summed it up best when you said it was a page turner because you couldn't stop. Put it down. <laughs> yeah, it, because it is funny. You know, it's it's like this conversation with you. Well, that's, you know, <clears throat> uh, Joe, uh, Joe called me up. You know, I was writing him Facebook. Yeah. So Joe called me up. He said, uh, Joe Carney. You know, he's the guy that wrote back step one, two, and three. Yep. So he called me up. Now, I didn't know Joe from the hole in the wall, and he called me and he says, you know, my father was in the 44th Battalion, and he's in your era. And, and of course, Joe is writing from the 80 up, and nobody's ever wrote from the 60s and 70s, you know. And he says, you, you know, I've been reading those Facebooks, so let me... Let me put it together. So he make a book, and he did. He uh, he, he just organized the the Facebook and come out. But it was all from, I mean, it was all from Facebook stories, like you haven't. Yeah, that was before the book. Yeah. So he uh, those those posts got a lot of interaction. You know, people loved them. You mean when I was in, on Facebook? Yeah, when you'd yeah, write. Yeah, somebody said, "What do you mind a book now?" Everybody read your stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the good thing about your book is that all the proceeds, or proceeds, yeah, and, and profits, and, they, and they've got a lot, you know. Yeah. So far, this so I, it's about a, a thousand over a thousand dollars a month. I've been sending both of those organizations. So the book is doing very well. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at how many fire departments in the United States? About 199. <laughs> no, I think there's 10,000 fire yeah, departments. Yeah, so <laughs> So if I just do a 99, I'm doing well, you know. Right. It's a, but uh, it's, it's, I think there's, what is it? A, we have a, how many million? 100,000 firemen? Oh. Uh, no, I think we're up over a million and really? a half now. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, well and most of them, you know, when we were talking. Wish they could plug that book. Well, the thing that we, we've tried to, you know, like when we've talked about this, when we said this, you said, read my book, kid. And yeah. not everybody digests reading anymore. I, I would wish that you would put this in an audio book form. I think if you had somebody reading it in a New York accent, would be absolutely not a bad idea. Phenomenal. I still send that to the Honor Legion. You know, the Honor Legion helps the widows. Uh, right. And, I mean, you you wouldn't believe what these guys do. I, I had one story is that a woman uh, lost her roof. Now she's a widow. Yeah. You know? So she happened to see one of the guys in the Honor Legion. She says, "You know, I have. I have. I, they're charging me. They want to charge me twenty-five thousand. No, forty thousand for doing her roof." Mm. He says, forty thousand dollars." So he says, "Don't don't sign anything." They show up with I don't know twenty thirty guys. They did a roof, for, and he said, "Thank you very." Didn't charge you a dime. You know, it's uh, right. it's uh, yeah. so that's what they need the money. Now Joe D's is. Um, 
is one of my favorite funds because I was involved before I knew Joe D or his, his son died. I, I trained every truck and rescue on our old roof system that we had a roof, uh, our belts for, for, uh, for rescue, you know. Right. So I trained the whole fire department. And, and uh, when I went out, to, I was on light duty, my, naturally, my knees. And I, I was out there, and uh, Gus Beekman, who was the, became the fire commissioner, he was the first black fire commissioner. And okay. He was the chief in charge of training. So he called me in his office. He said, Bob, I got a hot one for you. I said, you're going to give that rapid water again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we yeah. did, me and a guy, Eddie Wetzel, he was the captain of 231 Engines, sweetheart of a guy. He was a, he was, and that's a busy company with 144 truck, you know, not 144, excuse me. Uh, what is that? I forget that busy truck out there. They, they, <laughs> this is on purpose, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Eddie Wetzel uh, and I, I got... Eddie, we we got him. The chief just threw us a nice bomb here. We got to train the whole fire department with the safety harnesses, you know. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, what we got to do this thing, you know. So we both sat down and we made the first um, movie, and uh, actually it was uh, uh, that you put it into the television. To, what do they call it? No, VCR. Yeah. So he said, no, 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 no. The the, the one you stuck in. I CD. Think. CD, probably. Yeah, that was. That. Or was it beta? Little round one? No, no, it was a square box. Yeah, VHS. Yeah, VHS. We, but this was to send that out to all the fighter pilots so they could train eventually. But at the time, it was the first one. So the guy in charge of uh, the filming, he, um, I got a hold of him. I said, Can we make this video? He said, Yeah, we can make it. I'll do it. So then Dennis Smith was on light duty at the at the desk on the island. He was getting going out of the job, yeah. So I said, Dennis, you need some time? He said, Yeah. Can you get me some time? I said, I, I think I can if you do us a favor. What's the favor? You write all the pros for this uh, this this training bowling. Oh, he said, Sure, sure, I'll do it. Can I get next Friday off? Let me speak to the chief. You know, and of course, the chief said. Sure. You know, I got the guy who wrote a book, Port uh, Mingenay 2, you know, he's a, so he did all the pros. Then we did the filming. What we did is that when they come out to the, to the rock, we had uh, sometimes four truck companies or, or rescues, generally four. We show them how to put the, tom the harnesses on in the morning. We had a stage, you know, it's a, and I was the actor and I put it on and said, yeah. And, Pay attention, you motherfuckers! <laughs> and we showed them what. Then what we do is that on the training ball, the guys go out the first floor. You take them to the first floor. We filmed it. Then we went to the third floor. We filmed it, and then we went to the eighth floor. That, that's a that's a long ways down. Yeah. So, but we between Eddie and I, we made it very simple. And the 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 the, uh, the commands were mount the sill. Three turns, boom, boom, boom. Hands on the cheek. That meant on you asked one guy went like this one day, and I said, no, to, the <laughs> to his don't face, be a cheek? wise guy. <laughs> he put his hand to the cheek. <laughs> so we had to say, cheeky your ass, you know. <laughs> and we trained every every truck and in, and rescue in, on the job. When that happened to Joe D's son, it was kind of close to me, you know, that we had trained the fire department, and if they had our 
uh, belts. That kid would be alive today. You know, it's a, that's the shame of it. You know, it's a, I got one hanging on the wall, by the way. It's 82 engines, but because they gave them to the engines after after a while, they, we only trucks and rescues carried them. You know? But uh, poor Joe D's son, if he had that that system, and it was such an easy, simple. Put it on your big, and that was it. It was like wearing, and guys wore it all the time. You know, they uh, they wore them 24 hours a day, you know. It's a, and yet they come out, uh, this, I saw this new system. I don't want to knock the guy's system, you know. It's a, it's the most over-engineered thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. The ones that you have now? Yeah. It's over-engineered. It could be so simplified, you know. It's a, But they, you know, wearing a big bag and all that, get out of here. Get out That'd of be here. the first thing I would have thrown off. You know, if I was I've seen to. I've seen guys stuff the stuff the stuff behind their knee pads. Yeah, you know, just trying to. You know what I mobility. I had all my men do in my time, parachute cord, sure, a little ball of parachute. Everybody had a ball of parachute cord, you know, to break the windows with it. And if you got in trouble, it, it held five hundred pounds, so uh, you know you could rescue it. You know, if you had that, like, um, did you ever hear of uh, the story that? Joe, uh, Jeff Cool, yeah, know, yeah. You ever hear his story? Yeah. Well, I just I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. He came in here and uh, and I said to him, about when, um, he was telling a whole. He, I, he's like getting it off his chest. You know what happened at Black Sunday, and he gave the roof to Joe D's son. And he carried a little roof, you know, rope, and he gave uh, Joe D. Excuse, gave it to him. And he he lowered, he slipped going down, but he he didn't go down the the, the four store five stories. He went down about three or two or three, but he got all busted up. He was uh, in fact he just come out from another operation. You want to see the scars in on this poor guy's chest, you know? Mm. But he he survived. The other poor Joe D, because of the pain that the kid went through, is that. They, you know, he's taking narcotics, taking narcotics, and they always said that he overdosed. He probably could, did, you know, just to get, get rid of the pain, you know. So uh, <clears throat> his father fought to get him lined to do the injury, which he justly deserved, you know. It's, uh, right. And when he died, the, the job said, oh, he died at home, and he, it's all bullshit, you know. He said, so Joe D. Ford, he finally did get him as a line of duty. You know, he's on the plaque down in... Uh, in the headquarters, you know, that he lined the duty down. All down in Brooklyn? Yeah. So, uh, and then, of course, when I first met him, you know, uh, uh, I said, I, I want to donate my book, you know, to uh, your son's fund. You know, he was taken back because, let me think of how much I've given him so far. This year, over 20000 each. You well, that, that's a good charity because what they're doing is giving bailout kits to fire departments that can't free, afford them. Yeah, free. and training. That's the thing. You know what it One set costs, you know what it costs? $5,000. I did not know that. With the training involved in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, uh, so he, he, needs, he needs the bread too, you know. It's a, and he went down to Texas. And he did very well down there. The, the, guy, the guy who ran a show down there gave him the proceeds of the show down there. So it was, was kind of nice. You know, it's a, Texas, what the hell was the name of Texas somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, it's a big damn state. You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime that you're closer in El Paso to California than you are to Dallas, yeah, that's a big damn state. But uh, I just sent this book out to a friend, a friend of mine. Who he died is... Uh, to his wife, and his wife said, I said, you know, your husband Joe would love this book. 
And I send it to her, and she says, you know, Bob, when I, I did what he probably would have done. I opened the book out, but he said, I couldn't put it down. He says, it's, you're, he says <laughs> you're short and sweet, those things, and, and you, you, you get the one chapter, and you say, whoa, what's the, here's the next chapter? Yep. It's easy to read, so I hook you. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm in fire hooks, right? I hook uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, in the fire department, you always have to have a hook. Yeah, a roof hook by fire hooks unlimited. <laughs> That's right. Anything else is just ridiculous. How is that hook doing? I love it. Yeah, I, I've still got my original uh, small hook that I carry with me, and I still have Which my one. Did I make it for you? Yes, yeah. uh, it's a uh, five footer, and I love That's, it. I keep telling all these guys for six foot, six foot's in their head, you know. Right. I say, how tall are you when they call on the phone? Now I'm five foot ten. Raise your raise your arms over your head. How tall are you now? Well, I'm close to eight foot. Why are you buying a six foot hook? You right. Know? Buy a five, it's smaller, it's easier to maneuver, and you can still get the sandwich. I still carry my original Pro Bar. Yeah, well, really? it's it's worse for wear, but it's 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 held up. Guys call me all day long about can I grind it? They've been grinding that tool for forty years, you know. It's, right. Uh, it's, uh, well, if you don't want to grind it, then just buy a Maximus. About, uh, we're having a trouble getting steel. Though. We're back order. I have back orders over two thousand for the Pro Bar. Bars, yeah. 2000 i got it 2000 is my first delivery it's gone i you know i told my my cousin jesus christ order for it. he said they can't get the steel you know it's we make it a 4140 aircraft steel you know it's a, or, or i shouldn't say uh, vanadium steel you know it's a it's a little different you know it's harder chrome vanadium steel i, I talk my 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 cousin doesn't bend very easy and he didn't want to change the steel you know I said, this new steel is so much better. You know, it's lighter than uh, chrome vanadium steel. You know, you got to move I moved it around. The foundry said to me, you can't do that. I said, why can't I do it? You ever try it? No. Now he calls me out. Can I use that formula of yours? Yeah, go ahead. No. Now all of a sudden I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wow. No, I, I, I still have my original Pro Bar that I got. And uh, I love it. I've ground on it. I mean, and you're the only guy who likes my Black Max. I love that Black Isn't Max. Isn't that something? I, I can't believe that other people don't like it. I, I don't understand. Uh, I, we sell a few of them, but uh, it's not a popular one. You know? if, but you can do so much with that. Sucker, you can you, know? you can destroy things with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that thing's got some muscle and, and, behind and, it. And, and you can do the locks. That's yeah. one thing. You can hit something. You And a nice big sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah head, but, hey, and it's balanced well. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Like with your axes, they're 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 superior. Well, did you see? I was just copied by Council Tool Company. Yeah. He, he exactly did. I always left that piece out in the back, you know, yep. because it balances in your hand. Now he's he's doing it balancing the hand. He's he's doing the lock slot too. I'm the inventor of the lock slot. <laughs> it it just it makes you laugh that you know imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Well, that's true. That's true. I, so I, I don't get pissed. So, I mean, there's there's enough for everybody. You know, That's space, right. You know, it's a, and I have one that coming anyway. I've you know I've had one uh, uh, a six pounder. So I'll make a six pounder with a lock. So it's different to me. You know, it's a, yeah. You want it? We'll build what you we'll want. Do whatever you want. You know. <laughs> How old are you today? I, I'm going to be ninety two. Ninety two. Still yeah. swimming. Did thirty laps yesterday. Look at you. I'm going to go thirty laps tonight. I think this will be the last. I think today's going to be the last of the summer, right? As, as, as far as uh, my, I got a, uh, I got a, a solar heat. Okay. So, so it heats the pool by solar. We actually pump the pumps the water into the goes through the solar. So I get, 
I can go to October, November. You know, it's uh, as long as the sun is out. <laughs> right. Sun no out. It's cold. Have, have you been watching the Mets play at all? Yeah, my favorite team, man. It's uh, did you see last night Grand Slam by? Oh man, what they were losing four to nothing. Then uh, Alonzo has does a three run homer. Yeah. Then I still down one. Ah, this is tough. You know, they're, they're not hitting. You know, and all of a sudden, grand slam. You know, it's uh, and that seven to five. I think they they won. So they hope they hit beat them twice so far. Now, in fact, they're playing right now. Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go to a Phillies game tonight. Jesus Christ, why didn't the Phillies beat Atlanta? You know, the Phillies got the best team in baseball is hitting. Yeah. You know, they got the – and they couldn't beat Atlanta. Atlanta swiped them. You know, it's a uh, – It's a different world. And they stole one of our best pitchers. Stole him. Stole him, sure. He, <laughs> he, he, you know, he signed with them as much as the Mets offered him. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like New York. A lot of people don't like playing in New York. You know, it's a tough town, you know. It's uh... – yeah, they'll tell you if you're bad. <laughs> I don't think you if you're bad. I don't. I don't think people have a problem. You never walk out of a room with anybody in New York going, "I wonder what they were thinking." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna let you know for yeah. sure. I'm telling. You, we're just gonna hold it. You know what's gonna be the 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 telltale of three in Atlanta? Yeah, that's gonna be the ones. You know, the, whoever wins that series, they that's got it. The, that's it. We'll have the division. Yeah. yeah. So, Cap, I got a few questions for you, if you don't mind. Why not? Uh, going through the book, of course, you know, anybody that hasn't read it, definitely pick it up, and you'll probably have it read in an afternoon. You uh, can pick it up on Amazon? Yeah. yeah. Amazon, it sells uh, too it. Too bad I couldn't sell it. Yeah, you can't, because Amazon has the right has the, the rights to sell it. Uh, it seemed like in your career, you saw probably the most advancements in the fire service. Correct. As far as... The K-12, where it came from, right. overseas to the United States, <clears throat> being part of FDNY, testing them out, going against the grain. You know, they're wanting to buy this saw. You, you say, hit no, that's a piece of shit. That story? <laughs> so, you know, between that, I, I think I want to hit on that, and then obviously the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, uh, and then the gorilla you guys found. Gorilla in that gun. Listen with the gorilla. I, w- I want to hear that one last. But I mean, you just had so much between. Not, I know you talked about the rescue belts, but y'all, you guys created your own system for harnesses for the buckets. Yeah. The K-12s, the tools. I mean, everything that you read through this book is is what you see when people care about the job and actually live. For I kind of think it is the job. Exactly. It's, no, it's it's you took it a step further, and I, I don't think people you know understand to have the drive and the care for the job that you do, what it entailed. Like, you know, what did you see that created the fire service today? Well, you know, one one of the things about the saws is that um, I had a fire and a taxpayer on Southern Boulevard, and I was taught by a chief Eckett about backdrafts. He said, you know, on a roof he wanted 25 square feet to negate a smoke explosion, but he said... You got to be careful of taxpayers because they can get heat and fire, and then, I mean, heat, but they need air to have fire. So I come up to this taxpayer this one night, and she's doing it, huffing and puffing and huffing. So I tell the boys, you know, get a lot of roof, get that roof open. Well, the roof was sealed. You couldn't get it. We only had access in those days. So I didn't want the guys to to go near the door. It was like recess, so I got a 25 foot 
straight ladder, and we were out in the street, and we forced the door that way. And 82 had the, the two and a half charged, already, to, you know, to, to, as soon as that door opened, they were operating. Well, it, it, it whistled. I don't know if you ever heard a backdraft, it just whistled, and it sucked in this thing, and all of a sudden, smoke explosion. That's basically it got the air, and she exploded. It knocked us all on our asses, you know. And, of course, it went to a second alarm. <laughs> we surrounded and drowned after that one, you know. But, uh, then I called up my friend. Um, I was a fireman in Fort Truck, and uh, Tony Romanori was a lieutenant, a fireman in uh, 54 Engine. And this is the old days. We were on 48th Street, they were on 47th Street, you know. But we were at a third alarm one night. I was detailed to 54 Engine. And we were going down the hallway. It's a, it was, uh, I think it was third alarm, I think. So anyway, we were on the top floor going down. Uh, we're making good, and I see this this chimney, you know, was, was set, start to go, and I grab, and it went, and Tony started to go with the chimney, and I grabbed him by his ankles, and I yelled, you know, bring it back. So this is the story. And when I called him up, now he became chief in charge of the shops. Uh, you want to uh, buy an apparatus, anything, like, he was the boss. You know. So I called him, I said, Tony, I want a saw. He said, what do you mean you want a saw? I said, I want a saw for ventilation of roof. And so he said, oh, okay, I can probably get you one. No, I said, I want it for the job. He said, nobody knows anything about saws. So I said, well, we're gonna, we'll be the trial and error. We'll learn by you send me up some saws. So anyway, he said, all right, I'll send you a saw. So he puts out a bid for, I think, 400 saws. And uh, uh, the worst saw, what was the name? I can't think of it. They're out of business today. But anyway, they win the bid. And I said, I don't want that saw. I shouldn't name it anyway, right? That's right. <laughs> so I said, because it's the first one to quit. How I, how I learned it, I had built a fire in a barrel in a vacant building. And we put, you know, so we smoked up the room and we opened the door and we went the saws, you know, that Tony sent me. The first one to quit was uh, this saws, you know. Anyway, I said, I don't want that saw. He said, but they won the bid. <laughs> so I said, I don't want the saw. It's the worst saw in the world. It quits right away. So he says, all right, the hell with it. So he, the, the, the sales rep for them calls him up and says, we won the bid. It's a lawsuit, for Christ's sake. So he said, look, I got 50 lawyers sitting on their ass down at City Hall. By the time you win this bid, we'll both be dead. You know, so, yeah. so anyway, <laughs> he bought the part, the saw. It was called Partner, and it was made by Electrolux. It's now the Husqvarna, you know. Yeah. But it was the only saw that would work in smoke, and uh, that's what started off. Well, the sales rep, smart enough, he calls Electrolux in Sweden, and by the Electrolux made vacuum cleaners. Mm -hmm. <coughs> How did I get into the saw business? I'll never know, but uh, he calls me and said, now, Partner wasn't in this country at all, and, uh, so this is just the first test of sorts, you know. And luckily, the the owner was in the states. He brought the saw over to the shops and said, "Here's the saw. Try it out." And Tony sent me that saw, and of course, it was the good one. Yeah. Anyway, they bought. Uh, partner became well, New Long Island bought, Boston bought them. Yeah. You know, it went all over the United States. New York City, it works. If it works in New York City, it works. <laughs> But that's how the saws got into New York City Fire Department. You know, it's through, through that one Tony Romanotti. You know, it's a... Wow. And to be a part of that is just 
And then, you know, how did we know how to operate it? I knew how to start the saw. Not not a guy in my place knew how to start a saw. How about that? They didn't have a saw. I was the only guy who had a saw. I had a, I had a steel chainsaw. So I knew how to start it, you know. So then we started uh, cutting rules, you know. He said, well, you know, how do we do this? And, and then I thought about my chief that's 25 square feet, so... In the, in the book, Jerry Albert, he used to cut the roof. It was always three by eight. I used to measure it you know, for some reason. And then we started to uh, lengthen it, and we cut sections. And then I said, well, let's, let's stick to the 25 square feet. And we then we did it. And, um, and a guy, oh, rest, um, safety calls me up. He says, you're cutting two ends, and then you're, you're stepping on the cuts and everything. It's all, it's dangerous. Then we had to sit down and do the eight cut, right? One here, wind, you know, the wind this way. And then the, the second one was the cut, and then we did long one. And then the third one, you walked across, did this one, and you did this one, then you did this one, and, this, and then you put the the, uh, um, the V cut into the, or I should say, triangle cut on both ends. And it was easy pulling the roof. You know, you could get the hooks in and get them. So we were cutting roofs and venting. And then we, then, then I don't know if I ever told you the Indian story about how we started this. Uh, I made up a, a, a small uh, training bull for my company. And I made it funny. The fire is the Indians. Now the Indians are trying to get out of, <laughs> out of their, 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 their uh, they're teepee, and they're coming up, and we put a trench cut over them. But they get around the teepee, and they're starting towards the fort. Well, the fort is the trench cut eventually. But he said, before they got to the fort, we did a kerf cut, which was just a saw cut, you know, just the diameter of the saw. And he said, when the fire right there, our scouts would run back to the to the fort, the trench cut, and we'd lift the trench cut, and then we put triangle holes behind the trench and put a bent tip and hold the... The, the fire to just the one section of the of the H, you know. So, 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 Never thought about so that. then they said, you can't use Indians. <laughs> they, when they wanted me to write the sawmill, and I was writing, hey, the five cowboys and Indians, you know. <laughs> you can't do the Indians. It's, it's, it's not right. So, okay. Then we had to go to the tall employment, you know. It's, uh, but it, it it just grew. Uh, it, when I, I wrote I think about five or six pages. And then the battalion said, hey, I want to give it to the other truck. And the division got a hold. They said, hey, this is probably They gave it to the division. That was the sixth division. Then the seventh division said it was great. And all of a sudden, downtown, I get a phone call. You got to write a saw boat. I said, don't anybody here know anything about saw? No. <laughs> so he said, so this is, this, you're the only one because you're doing it all the time. You know? I had guys from Brooklyn call me, you know, with captains. Can I get one of those saw boats? You said, yeah. But anyway, they, but officially it went over the job. Then he called me about the coffin cut. They don't like it, morbid. And I said, think about this. I was talking to the chief in charge of, it was, I think it was safety at the time. He said, um, no, it was research and development. Uh, so I said, but everybody knows the size of a coffin. Yeah, you know, when you think about it. So I said, it's, it's, it's sticking a guy's mind. That's why he's got to cut a coffin, the side of a coffin. So they said, well, they, so they left it in there. The coffin cut still in there to this day, I guess. You know, it's a, but it went all over the, uh, the country. They call it coffin cut. You yep. know, it's a, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
talk about real quick since you're talking about that. Where did the K and the twelve come from? I know it's in the book for people that haven't read it. The what? The the K twelve. Where did that come from? Oh, the K K means cutter in Swedish. Is K, and then the twelve is we ordered a twelve inch saw. We will not use fourteens in New York City. Never. I wrote the saw buildings for New York City, so I say do not use fourteens. <laughs> Why? Because too deep, especially on uh, truss constructions. You know, truss constructions two by fours. Right. They're not two by fours. They're in, they're three and a half inches by inch and five eighths. They're not two by fours. So a fourteen inch that's called five inches. Now you got you got your, uh, your uh, three and a half inch uh, say let's call them rafters, and then you got a half inch maybe three quarters inch of roofing material. It still cuts five inches. So it's like sitting on a lemon cutting it off. So that's why guys call me and I said please. Think about this. A three-inch, I mean, a 12-inch blade, you can't get cut. It cuts about three three and some odd inches. You know, you'll never cut the rafters. In fact, I got a new blade I just designed for electric saw. Oh, by the way, the new electric saws are out. Oh, they're bad. I got three of them coming. They're bad. Have you seen it? Yeah. Have you seen them from Husqvarna? Yeah, they're oh, bad. Seen I'm telling you, it's, uh, we got it over and researched the belt. Here was the problem. You know, I said, this is perfect for New York City Fire Department. Electric source. We're all going electric. Get rid of the gasoline. The trouble with gasoline is not the, the idea with the optics. So they're a pain in the ass. They sit the five-gallon cans in the in the corner for five years, and then they think it, you put it in their saw, and they want it to work. It's not gonna work. It's varnish, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> so, 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 so. Anyway, the electric source is gonna do away with all this, this, this. And another thing, maintenance-wise, no, no mixture of oil. No spark plugs. No, it's going to be just one. You plug in the wall, Charles, and you use it. Now, Husqvarna's, now I think Milwaukee has one out, but it's not as, uh, I think it's about 60 volt. My, uh, um, Husqvarna's up to 90. The equalization is about 5 horsepower. I keep asking my good, give me the, the difference with 5 horsepower and 90 volts. Nobody give me that. I don't know why. I, you know, I They're scared to, I guess. Yeah, you know. So anyway, they, they said about 5 horsepower or more. So I said, okay, I can live with that. So we took it over to research and development. Now, you know, they, they are hard asses over there, to be honest with you. I mean, they deliberately, I took a 770 prior to that over there. 770 is a good, is one of the best machines Husqvarna make. Five horsepower, cut anything, you know. I always go for the 12 inch, so I took the 12 inch. The guy deliberately jammed, he was, he had the 970 and the 770 and, Big is better in their minds. But I saw him deliberately jam the blade on the 770, and he let the other one cut nice and smooth, you know, so they wouldn't accept the 770. Now, Bobby Morris, his son is the captain of Rescue One at the time. Now he's bouncing around. And he wants the 770 in the rescue services. He says, F those people. They don't know what they're doing over there. You know, the 770 is a mess. I gave him one to, to use, and he uses it all over the place. He says, it's great. He can't wait for the electric saw, though. This is uh, this is going to be a home run for the industry. I think Husqvarna's got the best one out now. It weighs 20 pounds. Milwaukee's weighs 40. So what are we doing here? You know, it's, you're putting more load on them. You know, it's, yeah, uh, killing ourselves. Yeah. So I have the little nine-inch one. I, I've taken that one. That only has two horsepower. Right. But I cut beams lengthwise long if you know how to use the saw you let the saw do the, the cutting you know? and of course i just i i invented the nine inch blade have you guys seen that yet yes 
Okay, the car by him. The only one I got a car by so far. I mean, till till somebody else copies you. They'll copy it. You know, it's a, but uh, I think really that the nine-inch blade ought to be put in New York. It cut. It 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 does more revolutions. It it's just safety. It only cuts three three inches. You know. Right. So you can't get hurt with it. So I and I think it would be. A, it's eighteen tip. That's plenty. I mean, my my uh, 24 tip is a jewel, but uh, I think this. I'm trying to get rescues to use it. They say, yeah, yeah. I get 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 a guy, guy up and rescue please. Go to yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey Comboy, your brother's name. Come on, Mickey. <laughs> he hasn't tried that yet. <laughs> <laughs> what was your next question? You said you. Oh, had... just the triangle shirtwaist fire and the gorilla. Whichever one you want to talk about more. No, let's oh, talk the about gorilla both. in the backyard. That's a better one. <laughs> Hengeli, Chief Hengeli, he was um, in a 27 battalion at the time, which was on the quarters, you know. So we get, <laughs> he's a ball buster. He's way, he, he go out of his way to break your balls. He was, he, he's a funny guy, but he, he, so I go, <laughs> go into the, I find the, the gorilla, <laughs> skinned, you know. Somebody said it was a bear, but to me it looked like a gorilla. <laughs> it probably was a bear when you think about it, because there wasn't any gorillas missing in the Bronx Zoo. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I go back, hey, Chief, I, I, I got, a, I got a, a gorilla in the backyard here. He says, Bob, stop breaking my balls. Well, yeah. I said, Chief, come on, come on in the back. Ah, if I come back there, you're going gonna to be up something. What, what kind of silly shit you got from me? I come back, goes, there's a skinned gorilla. <laughs> He says, wait till I put this on the A. He puts it on the A. He says, 2-7 to the, to the Bronx. Uh, we're going to use one and one I'm just going to use 31. We have a gorilla here on the backyard. It's skin. And he said, oh, what, what do you got, the, the 27? We got a gorilla on the back. The, the, the deputy said, would you repeat that, that transmission? He said, yeah, I'm using one 4031 truck for a gorilla in the backyard. He's skin gorilla. <laughs> so this dispatcher, they put it citywide. <laughs> about the, they, they have a repeat on it. <laughs> so everybody got everybody to hear. Everybody got to hear about the gorilla in the backyard. <laughs> South Bronx, right? And then the dispatcher <laughs> gets after that. He says to him, and by the way, there's no report of a gorilla missing in the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So you wanted to talk about the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire? Yeah. Um, obviously one of iconic uh, fires down in history. Uh, what's some of the things that you saw come from that fire? I know in the book you explained some of the fire exit stairwells. And... Yeah, I, I, I believe, um, of course, it was... It was uh, Accidental arson. Right. I mean, it had to be a cigarette, you know. And it was, um, and they they didn't take out their their waste, so they had piles of waste under the table. But that, you know, you I don't know how many shirt waste they make a day, but there was probably tons of it, and it was flammable material. It wasn't just uh, cotton. It was flammable. Material. So that uh, that to me, I think, was one of the things. And then they could have. I think they could have evacuated a little better than they did. I think there's nobody telling them what to do. Fire, you know, people get screaming, hollering, and and they all wonder. You know, people jumped out of into yes. nets. Did you know they they jumped into nets and lived? That was one thing. With, and the, the poor firemen got hurt from the people that landed on them. You know, like one and go and land, and the other, you know, mm. it was unbelievable. It's uh, you know, I read 
about it, but I mean, I, I wasn't there, you know. Sure. I'm not that old. <laughs> sure. Well, you're closer than we were. <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? So, Cap, real quick question. Go. Um, you, you've had a wonderful career. The career has changed a lot in the fire service. I hear. But it hasn't changed. It's the people that's changed. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, you know, in, as far as New York City is concerned, I think the, the, the 9-11 made large changes in New York City. Let me say what I've... They lost the talent of the job at the 9/11. There, Big know? holes. I mean, if I was if I was a captain at that time, I'd probably be a deputy chief in two years because they they you just passed the test and you you they made you. You know, it's a there was no you know normally you get on a list. Let's see, my list was uh, battalion chief. I think about it was 800 on the list. You know. When I took a captain's test, there was 800 captains. You know, I come out number 13 on that one, so that was doing pretty good. But I didn't study for chief, but I passed the chief from the old captain studying, you know. So. Right. But uh, I kind of like that job. That's, so, point. So, so with that thought, what would be some good advice you would give to someone that said, hey, I want to be a firefighter? Well... <clears throat> Let me think a minute. Let me ask you this. I want to be a firefighter. So what would I tell a kid? I said, number one, it's not a fun job. It's it's a vocation. You have to love the job. And uh, uh, if you don't want to bust your ass, let's put it away. Take get another, you know, be a cop. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your What would be your talk? You you get a new probie in. What would be your talk when you when you when you get a new guy in? Stay with me, kid. You know, to be up my ass. That's all I want. I want to look at. <laughs> would you, you say? Know, I was I was a tough boss. I mean, uh, there's a story about Joe D. Did you ever hear a story about he was a covenant lieutenant? Yeah, well, but talk about it, please. Joe was a covenant lieutenant, and I had a reputation of being a hard ass at fires. You know, it's a I was tough. You know, it's a and. He heard about it. He said, holy shit, I'm coming to the busiest engine in the city, and I got a hard-ass captain there. So, And I used to always help the, the common lieutenant. I had two Marines that were lieutenants. See, we worked very strange in 31. We worked with two officers you know, and two chauffeurs, but we, but you saw more of your firehouse than a lieutenant. Lieutenant worked with just his five people. Captain, uh, where we, we had it. I didn't like in the beginning when this guy, Mr. Willie, did it. But as a captain, I thought you saw more of your people. You saw your two shop instead of one. The only trouble in I saw two engine officers. Now both these guys were, were in the Marine Corps Reserve, the weekend warriors. So every time it comes down to Friday, Saturday night, these guys took a hike. <laughs> for the weekend war. They filled out their thing on, instead of working Friday and Saturday. And who have I got? I got two young covered lieutenants. Some of these kids, you know, they wet their pants when they, you know, coming out. They're working a busy, busiest fire. So I, you know, the first thing I do is grab them. I say, look, these kids are good. My These boys are good. They said, you don't have to give a, any orders. I said, first of all, if it's a fire that's not showing, I'm going to go up and tell you to stretch. And and they'll stretch. Don't say how many lengths to them. Don't say they they know. You know they've been doing it for 
hundreds and hundreds of fires. So, the, the and then when the, the lieutenant would come up, and I said, that now, you, you back up the knob, and I'm right, and I'll be pushing them a little bit, you know. It's, it's, and it worked out, but the, uh, I mean, Joe D come in one day, and they told him, the engine told him, God doesn't talk to cover lieutenants. <laughs> <laughs> little so, g little g so he says so he comes up to the office and he runs in the office and he goes and he runs i said wait hey lou uh, he's gone you know it's a, so and I said, where the hell is this guy you know you need, so he's ducking me all day but so he writes his roll call at the desk i always wrote mine in the kitchen you know and um they he writes his and he's gone I, he don't come into the kitchen or anything i mean you know i want to introduce myself and then so he, he stuck with me the whole day. And, he, and I finally got him out of fire. I said, wait a minute. I'm trying to help you. You're, you're doing, you should have heard you don't talk to a couple of lieutenants. This was Joe D. In a little bit. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> tell me, uh, I know you, you want to get moving, uh, but tell me about the hydrogram. Well, uh, the, it goes to a story. I went to a, a, a show down in Baltimore. And uh, at the show, they had I saw the rabbit tool. Yep. And the rabbit tool was made by a captain. His name was Hare. Hare Rabbit. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. Play on words. Good. I said to the guy, look, I'll get that. that I think that's the best thing since soap. Uh, if I, I get that into New York City, you know, it's a, it's a, if you, so he said, oh, great. You know, it's, I brought it up to research development. I said, boys, this is something else, you know. And they 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 used they liked it and they ordered them they put one in every truck coming in the job yeah and the rescues yeah well a year later because the word got out that I recommended it I started getting phone calls from my brothers too too heavy it's a two man job it's losing all kinds of fluid they're charging oh they were charging sixteen fifty for half a pint of fluid it's only hydraulic fluid. Good Lord. So they kind of raping him a little bit. I think Hirsch bought the thing out at that yep. time, yeah. But but anyway, uh, guys are breaking my balls and saying, you know, it's a two-man up, it's heavy, it's this. And I said, yeah, what? Are, then I started thinking about it. I said, can I make a one-man, you know? So I have a, I have a friend of mine is a machinist, you know? So I said, you want to go in business? I said, I got an idea. I'll lay it out. You, you make the parts. Well, he couldn't do it either. So we hired a... We hired um, uh, a, 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 an engineering company down in Florida, and I drew all the plans as this is what I want. And he said, okay, but I said, I want to use propylene glycol. I'm a solar energy nut, and pro propylene, the trouble with the rabbit tool was very caustic. If it got in your eye, it blinded you. In fact, I think they had a, a lawsuit about it got in a fireman's eye and almost blinded him. Well, if it got in your hand, it burned you, you know, so. So I don't want to use that stuff. I want to use propylene glycol. You can drink it. It's uh, it's right. plum, plumber's antifreeze. Right. So you, you put it in your RV so in the winter so you know you can drink it. Yeah. So the guy said, hmm. So the engineer, 20000 we paid him. He said, it's not going to work. He says, it's going to piss through the, the aluminum. See, I wanted to keep the body aluminum, keep it light. I could have made it out of steel. Sure. It would have been cheaper even. But now I wanted to use uh, uh, 10, 1024. Anyway, you should, the way you have that thing, the hydraulic will piss right through the walls. So, shit, I went back. I said, shit, I can't use my stuff. And so I got to go back to hydraulic fluid. And, I, and then I thought one night, I said, 
I wonder if he, I had the, the outside of the unit hard-coated. I said to him, suppose we hard-coat the inside. He says, you know, that'll work. I said, why am I paying you 20 grand? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's what we did. We come out with it. And the one man, well, I first uh, took it over to research again. But I thank God I, I knew these, a guy got on light duty on research. He was from, he was from the ghetto, you know. The, he really was sewer of a guy. And he was, you know, open for new things. And I said, hey, I got this thing here. Try it out. Well, he busted. He said, this is fantastic. Then they gave it, uh, one of the companies that they gave was Ford Truck, my old company. Uh, they gave it to s trucks all over the city. I think I had to give them 12. Anyway, what made the tool was the first bombing in... in, uh, in the, it, 93? The, yeah. And Ford Truck forced 109 doors. And I said to them, hey, wait a minute, what's 109? How about give me 75? I don't care. But no, he said, we had to record. First of all, they had to walk up. 50 floors, and they had the top 50 floors to search. And he said, we couldn't have done it with the axe in the eye, and we'd been fatigued, you know. He said, but this thing, so that made the tool, and that's how the tool got into New York City, you know. The rumor was when the uh, when the Hydram came out that they were going to record the sound of the iron striking so they could play it and feel like they were doing something when they were squeezing the handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that way they felt like there was some noise. Well, I, I have a striking surface on the right. top of there. But and I said, you got to be careful. I'm aluminum. You know, there's a steel pin in there, and you keep hitting it. It's going to ache shape, and the pin's going to fall out. You know, so I, what I had to do then, I had to, uh, before I put them in, we, we kind of mashed, we hit it with a thing to mash it. Right. So it would be a little... Uh, you know, stiffer, but the, we haven't had any fallout. In the beginning, they did fall out. Sure. Haven't had anything. We tell people when they buy the hydroram, just throw that little hammer away. Yeah. Well, you the, I, I, I supply it because it's a safety factor. You right. Know, it's a, instead of hitting a, uh, you hit it with the, the two pound mallet, you know. Right. A, As opposed to a six or eight pound yeah, axe. Because, well, you know, firemen don't hit easy. They are oh, the no. baseball swing. Right. You know, they, and, uh, you Maybe they should play for the Mets. And another thing about the hydroram, yeah. <laughs> There's 22 pounds of pressure inside that unit, which means you lift the handle, automatically the fluid is in your pumping chamber. Now the rabbit tool, you had to prime the the pump. You had to, you know, it was just a regular, and you had to keep it horizontal. Mine, you could put it upside down. You could put another feature. Mine will work in North Pole. Hydraulic fluid will not work in North Pole. It gels, you know. Right. So this was the 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 good part of it. The only bad part is you got to use that damn thing. You can't sit it on the shelf for six months because that 22 pounds is trying to get out. And right. it's, it's up against, and the seals will dry. You got to keep the seals wet. So, what we say is use it and then lift something heavy once uh, every two weeks, a month, so that you force the fluid into the seals. There's, there's 13 seals in there, and they cost $15 a piece. So, it's not a cheap, you know, piece of crap. You know? well, your, your buddy over in Seaford. Uh, he came out with the HT-175, which is a tester, not tester, but a pressure device. Mike Perone came up with it that oh, yeah, you yeah. put that under pressure. Oh, that, I helped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he came out with it. I guess it's been pretty popular. No. And why do you call him Vinny? That's, 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 I, I have crazy over that. <laughs> <laughs> he just texted me and said, he calls me Vinny for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Vinny. <laughs> Don't you remember when the, when my neighbor the Italians would holler out every Wednesday, and they have, they have 
most of them all Vinny, you know, it's uh, Vincent, you know, Vinny, it's spaghetti. So I call him a Vinny, it's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that his his forcible entry door, the, the multi-force. It is the best. There's nobody can even come close to it. I mean, there's, a guy, there's one of my distributors. I guess you get pissed off at me, but I don't care. He doesn't make it as good as, as Mike. Mike's got the best door on the market. He's been copied by a guy in Canada. Yeah. The only thing, he, he keeps his door blue. Nobody's, nobody colors theirs blue. So no. He, so I say, buy the blue door. That's buy the blue the door. Best. The blue is the best. That's know? right. I even said to him, you see what he did? He, he show you his thing where he did my, my metal wedge? Uh, no. It's on his site. He, uh, he uses the, I think it's, he just did it about two weeks ago. Okay. And then he also did my uh, Forsax. Did you see that one? Yes. Where I have the rubber. Yes. And he did that one. That was that was a home run. Hey, Bob, good job. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> he's a trip. I'm telling you. Oh, he he has got more knowledge than possible uh, than anybody around. I mean, as far as showing people, you know. And he does it for free. You know, it's a it's another thing. I told everybody's making money. You're making nothing. You know, it's a, and and people would love to hire him for. But because he's practical, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's like my book. It's easy, you know. He's he, it's readable, you know. It's uh, he is readable, you know. And he does a good job. Hey, what are you? You know, he's like he's like the kitchen table forcing a door, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think a lot of them, you know. It's uh, I I I give him. I recommend. I'll, I'll say, two three doors a week. You guys who caught me and. Uh, they said, who do you who do you know? Who do you think? And I always say, get the blue door. You know, I said, first thing I said, go on his site, Firehouse Innovations. And I said, number one, he's giving out free tips out of force entry. You know, it must be killing guys that go out and get paid for forcible entry. Because yep. you know? <laughs> he does it for free. You know, it's a, and he's good at it. You know? Yeah, very good. I'd love to hear you talk about the um, working with NASA to develop the face pieces and how that yeah. kind of shaped still what we're using today. Yeah, well, yeah, they come up they come up with uh, a mask. You wouldn't believe this mask. It was pointed. It was pointed like this. I've stuck out about that far. But they come up with a small cylinder, and I said, Jesus, that's great. Well, that's weighed 40 pounds. This weighed a little under 20. You know, it's, I think it's the ones you have today. Uh, what do they weigh? I don't, the ones I've, I've been, I, I never had one of those. Uh, but anyway, he, I said, this is great, you know. So I had this guy from 82, Willie Doyle, put the, the, the thing on. He pulled the strap, they broke. He put his helmet on, the helmet went up in the air like this. So I said, you know, and I, this is actually what I told him. I said, you guys were great going to the moon, but you suck on making <laughs> face pieces. But, but I said, why don't you go back to Chief O'Hagan and and tell them to take one of my men or one of 82's guys down. To, uh, I think it was Texas the other day, and they did. And Willie Doyle, uh, you know, told them what he wanted, and they did it. That's a, that's what you guys have today. You know, it's, that was some 82 engine. You know, it's, uh, but we uh, but we said they said to us, they put us to work too. They said before we send anybody, you guys come up with a, with a design, um, and we designed. Everybody thought everybody had a different design on the face piece, you know. But the one you have today is what we commit was uh, brought to bear. Let's put it that way. You know, That's good stuff, Cap. Well, boys, I think we've about exceeded our time. 
Anybody, anybody? Ah, I want to talk more. Do you? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll stay no, here no. as long as you want. As no. long as you keep the lights Wh- on. Whatever you say. No, you're the boss. No, you tell me what you want me to talk about. I'll talk. No, it, I I can't I can't thank you enough for everything you've done. Just like what you know, like what we said to Mike. I mean, what you've done for this job. You know, I never knew as a kid in 1999 when I got my first pro bar. Isn't that I, something, 99. Yeah, I'd be sitting across from the man that, yeah. you know, and have a friendship. I mean, that's that's huge. And then to sell your tools and to well, go that's out. Good. And, are, you, are you selling on it? Yeah. Good. Yeah, moving. Good. Uh, I got that new tool. I wish I'd made it. I would. I forgot to make one for you. Well, right now I can't make it because I don't have any Rex heads. My the guy I farm out the machine shop. I, I I couldn't have any more room back here, you know. Right. So I have to farm it out to the guy, and he's been jerking me around, you know. But uh, that seems to be a common occurrence in just about every industry today. Everybody's told me I can't get steel. I can't do this. I can't aluminum. They uh, they're having a problem with the wedges. I make those wedges you know? by the tote. Did Mike, uh, you see what he did with the wedges? Uh, I I haven't. I'm gonna have to go look oh, it up. Oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. And he does an outward door and inward door, you know. And I keep saying you got to mention to these guys, get rid of, don't order 36 inch bars, 42 inch bars because the leverage. Uh, you can't get a, uh, a 36 bar into an outward door because they're 32 inches, you know. Right. That's why the pro bar is 30 inches, or my bars are 30 inches, you know. So what you do is you get it in and you twist it like this and you yank it out, you know, an outward door, you know. Common sense. Yeah. But they don't, they want, they think more leverage. And I said to them, how are you going to get a 36 into a 32 inch opening? You know, what if, what if you're in a hallway? Yeah, in a hallway. Well, they come up with that little tool of mine, by the way, the 24 inch. Uh, the Mini Pro 24, have you seen that yet? Yeah, you said that's pretty popular. Cops. Yeah. Cops seem to love it. They they get a lump hammer, and that tool, you know, the the school shooting that they couldn't get in, all cops, cops used to go to firehouse and, and buy the, borrow the tools, right? Right. Now they want their own. So I've been selling, I just want 32, went to one town in, in uh out west and got to Colorado, and I said, "My God, thirty-two inch! What do you do with these things?" Yeah, you know? I make that three-ounce lump hammer. You know, yeah. the hammer three, I call it. You know, I said that and that bar. That's all you need. You know, or get yourself a lump hammer. I don't have to sell you that my tool, but mine is uh, is uh, is fiberglass and strong. You know, you can over if you the the, the lump hammer and naturally wood. You, they'll miss and they'll break it. You know, but uh, that, that little hammer three I make is good. You know, it's a, but it's Cop can hold one bar in one hand and hit it with the other, you know? Yeah. Because most of the uh, cops are one-man riders. There's no two. Oh, New York City has two, but I think the the, the country rides with generally one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they all want forcible entry. Yeah. I don't know if they want training on it, but they, they definitely want to. They're going to get training. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, you go to a, maybe you have to wear a cop's hat. I don't know. The, the, yeah. You go to a local police department or, or put out a flyer or whatever to, to a police department, they're going to ask you. Yeah. They're going to want you because they don't know anything about forcible entry. No. You know? I mean, we're doing it all day, all day long. They don't never did it, you know? Right. So I think that's a market for you guys. You yeah, know, we've so. got a different we've got a different niche, I guess. I don't know. know. It's an open market, though. That's yeah. the point. And nobody's, in, nobody's doing it. Nobody's right. going training cops, and they need to be trained. You know, it's a... And forcible entry, you guys got the the skill. Yeah. Why not? But you know, even send out a flyer to you know, to each police department. See, yeah. See what happens. Yeah. 
Because they're all into force one, they're calling us all day long about these tools. You know? Right, progressive ones are. Some places aren't so progressive. Listen, that 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 school shooting, all progressive now. That's yeah. that was the slowest police department in the world, and it <laughs> happened in their place. Yeah. yeah. Well, Curtis, you got any words of wisdom as we leave? Ask me more. Ask me more. He Not wants today. to keep talking. Not today. I know we could, but uh, and I would love nothing much to do that, but. What about you, Eddie? You got anything? Don't let your meatloaf. Don't let your meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> what you should talk about is how, how where I went with that book. I went from a fireman to a chief in that book. You yes. Know, it's a, so it's a, a majority of your career, as far as the timeline of it, was covered in that book. Yeah, it's a, and it's that, a good book. That, and there's an awful lot of stories <laughs> that I have. To, some of them I can't mention. <laughs> well, there's there's just a there's a, a variety of the stories. You might have a personnel issue story in there, and then you have you know a fire job in there, and you got you know false alarms, and you know some funny stories with the cops and how y'all found the found the kids that were pulling the alarm boxes. You know, it's just all aspects of the job. And yeah. That's what I. What's, what's well, my me my, so my friend Charlie McCarthy, who just passed away, he was uh, I used to borrow his story. He was. A, I used to have him teach the school kids coming for a visit, you know, and he had his famous one I stole from. What happens if you dropped an eight-pound axe on your toe? Who would you call? And the kids would say, I'd call the fire department, I'd call the hospital, I'd call the police, I'd call it. And then, of course, Charlie would say, I'd call a tow truck. <laughs> so I, have a, I use it in the book. I don't know where you saw that. I, I, it's just your delivery of it. <laughs> call a troll truck. <laughs> it's your delivery. That is the key to that's the key to comedy. With timing is delivery. <laughs> well, you got to send us out of here with uh, a really good funny story. We need something funny. We're funny. Nice. Yeah, we need something funny to right. to send us down the road. Let me think. Oh, here's one. Uh, Oh, I, I don't think this is funny. Baby delivery. Yeah, yeah let's talk about it. <clears throat> we get we get uh, at about three in the morning. You know, this we get a, the box. So I said, ah, it's a drunk going home. Same old box. You know, it's a two seven. I think it was two seven four five. Whatever it was. And um, then all of a sudden, the dispatcher says, uh, uh, it's, it's, "Oh, they oh they call and say it's a water leak." And I said, well, water leak at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then the box went. I said, ooh, that ain't a water leak. You know, so we go to the thing. And we go in the back room, and there's a young girl. She's about, I don't think, 14. She, she's having a baby. But she was wearing a huge overcoat. In fact, in fact, in Fort Apache in the Bronx, that guy copied my story there. Remember he, he threw people off the roof? Yeah. Well, he, two cops, when I was up there on my roof, when I was throwing a guy off the roof, I said, you going to eat cement? <laughs> he stole my saw. So, but, but anyway, getting back to the baby delivery. So I, I said, you know, it's got guys, you know, three, four, five guys watching this baby kid, 14 years of age, so open her coat, and there's the. So I said, Louie, chase these guys. Louie Andre was sending me, chase these guys out of here. And I, and we, we don't wear shoelaces. So, they, and so when the baby was delivered like a football, and I'm saying, Press, 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 and she pressed like hike, hike, hike. So, and when the baby shot out, I put it on her stomach, you know. And uh, a, a kid was brave as anything. I mean, she 14 years of age, the little, and she'd been in so much pain and everything. But and we put it on her stomach. And I said, 
I'm going to cut the umbilical. Anybody got a knife? Well, five guys. <laughs> I have the knife home, by the way, that I cut the umbilical. <laughs> so I had five knives to choose. You know, everybody had a knife. We didn't have a knife. But anyway, I cut the umbilical. And, cut, and we. anybody got a shoelaces? <laughs> they gave me the, 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 to tie the, the umbilical cord, and then we cut the knife. You know, and, uh, so the, the, uh, the Frankie Burns, like he said, if I get any babies that live in the sixth division, I'm calling them. Call you two guys are going to be the delivery guys. Then he writes it up in his WMYF about the house mothers. Jeez, <laughs> I love WNYF. It just my my new one just came. You know, here's a story. That one of my one of my brothers or one of my boys, I should put, goes out the line. He gets whacked. He's out there drinking or something. Anyway, he comes down back and he. He goes, hits his car up on Sullivan Boulevard. He hits an L pillar. So the cops bring him around to the fire. They say, hey, you want to see the boss? And I come down, oh, shit, he's whacked, you know. So I said, all right, put him to bed, you know. I said, so, so the cops said, well, what about his car? Now, I'm in 82 injured that day, you know, I'm in detail. Like, mutual, you know. And uh, I said, well, where's the car? He said, it's up on an L pillar around the corner. So I get in the engine, and I said, they... Take, follow, I follow the cop's car, and there's the car up on it. <laughs> so, he, I, so I said, he said, what do you want to do with it? I says, I don't know what to do with it. I, I'll tell you what. He said, can you pull it off the L pillar? Oh, yeah, I can pull it. So I had the hook. We had chain. We pulled it off the L pillar, and it's down. He said, hook it up and follow us. Two, two police cars. They got the things going like this, the lights flashing, <laughs> and I'm dragging this piece of shit <laughs> with the engine, you know. <laughs> so... They, they, come on, they, they had me put it in the vacant lot. So they said, ah, tell the, don't worry about the, you, know, you guys go back, everything will be all right. So I go back to court and I say, well, shit, Tom, you know, what are you going to do with your fucking car? It's all mashed up, you don't want, anyway, you get along for the, for the, for the box. No. The car's fully involved. Oh, <laughs> and the cop goes over and say, tell the kid it was stolen. <laughs> And the cop, I mean, that's what I said. The cops were, you know, they were just as bad as we were, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's, here's, here's one you had to laugh. You remember the time of the moons? Moons? Yeah. Well, Louis Andre and I, we, we're coming past the Fort Wayne precinct, and I said, Louis, let's, you know, so two of us go into the ball, we drop our pants and moon the death sergeant, you know, <laughs> or the lieutenant, whoever was on the thing. And the place is loaded with people. And we run back out, we jump on our press, we leave, you know. Well, we have an annual inspection. And, you know, you got to get your dress room. The deputy comes around and looks at your help. You got to buy this, you got to get that. You got to, before the, um, the quartermaster, you know. Now they give you the stuff. That, those there had to buy it. So, anyway, the deputy's there and we hear sirens. Five cop cars pull up in front of the firehouse. They all run out in mood, and they moon us. <laughs> <laughs> During annual inspection. And they gave it. Doing anything. The deputy said, what fucking kind of place is this? <laughs> a great place. It was, it was another one. I had, I had a, a, a friend of mine, actually one of my friends, Horace Brewer. He was a black uh, firefighter, a good guy, you know. But, but he'd go on a bender. From Christmas to New Year's, every year he was with me. So, and I'd send the guy up and say, "See if he's all right." You know, he's two blocks away. You know, the best part. And we had a snowstorm, and he said he was late, late coming in. He said, "Ah, I had guys coming to Washington for fifty miles that weren't late." 
he's late. He said, I was a snow cap. <laughs> but anyway, he was my bodyguard. You, I, I was a lieutenant at the time, and uh, you couldn't come close to me. He would, he, he muscular guy, he could fight, and everybody so any guy you made shit, he said, you talk to my boss like that. You know, he'd pick him off the floor. <laughs> but anyway, Horace comes, I'm in early, and Horace comes running around, the floor, and he runs up the stairs. A guy comes with a shotgun, goes, boom, 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 let's two barrels go up the stairs. Big holes in a wall, and then it disappears. That's <laughs> holy shit. So Horace, I said, Horace, he caught me with his wife. You know. <laughs> Damn. So, but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I'm getting promoted to captain. So I said, Horace, he said, he said, I'm going to transfer up to a slower place up in the Bronx. I'm going to, Horace, they won't put up with your shit. You know, you, you can't. Now I'm going to do it. So he's up there. I get more with the captain. And I hear he's getting hooked up twice. <laughs> shit, you know, that he would, I would you know, normally. Would. So I said, I call him, Horace, come back home. <laughs> Put your hands to come back home. Come back home. Yeah, come back home. I can protect you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we did some shit up there. We'd be fired today, you know. It's, it's oh, yeah. Sexes. You can't even look at somebody wrong anymore. Yeah. And look at look what happened to... Uh, uh, Rex Morris, uh, Bobby Morris, his son was the captain of Rescue One, and they put a rescue woman lieutenant uh, into Rescue One, and he, he just said, oh, You're here because you're a woman. Gone. <laughs> Lifted right out, gone. Banished to foreign lands. And there he was the captain of Rescue One, and he, they gone. You know. Jeez. So always making a statement. So I don't know. I, I never had the women, but I, I I do remember meeting the chief of the department, a guy named John Hart. He he see O'Hagan used to turn around and get guys who had no experience as chiefs and send them up to us, you know, to get the experience, you know. And you know, we guys would be pulling second alarms coming out one window, you know, and then we have to tell the aides, don't call me first before you do anything. Right. <laughs> and and they would, you know, say he wants to send a second line. Hey, uh, 31 to 27, uh, we, we got this, Chief. It's, you know, we don't need any help, you know. It's just, but anyway, John Hart was one of those guys, but he took it in a positive way with me. I was helping him, and he thought, he said, you know more about fires than anybody. You know, he says, so if you think I need more help, ask for it and stuff. So, and I did, you know. But anyway, the, uh, he meets me down. He's chief of the department now. He meets me down in a show in Philadelphia. He said, Bob, I only wish you were back on the job. I got women on the job. He said, you would have trained them. You would have been fair to them. You know, you would have showed them. He said, they are pissing in their boots. They're, oh, they're just, what's happening to them? He says, they are a mess. I got to admit, they were, I don't know what you do with that lawsuit. Is that they made it hard for them on the physical so they'd all fail. That's when Mike came in. He was part of that class. Yeah, they, uh, and they, uh, and they all, got, every one of them, whether they passed the test or didn't pass, they gave them the job, you know. So, so they got some good ones and they got some bad ones, you know. I hear you. But that's that's kind of the way it is now. It doesn't matter if male, female, doesn't matter. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Well, and you, I mean, there's they have special rooms for them. Yeah. They have for them. Yeah, have that. Have. Well, that's one of the things that I don't like is the. Not the, all, not everywhere. Yeah, I don't like the whole. Everybody gets their own room. I like that common bunk room. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. That's how we are. We yeah, are females. We not. had the bowling ball in, in uh, when, 
we had a bowling ball in the office, and you know we they'd have a they'd be bad, you know we had bad jobs. They're all beat up and everything. And I take the bowling ball, and throw it out into the bunk when it hit all the bam, bing, bam, 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 and of course the bowling ball come back in the office. You know, <laughs> <laughs> show us, old man. We'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is one. Louis Andre, this guy was, this guy kept me laughing. He was, I worked, he's a lieutenant I always worked with, I'd say. But when Dennis wrote the book, uh, four, about 48 chiefs were in Midtown at to a convention, you know, so they all, they hired buses to come up to 82 engines to see the 82 engines. So I moved the truck outside and I'm dressed up nice. I got the white shirt. Tie, white hat. Well, I look good, you know. It's a, and I'm moving them in. I line them up along the three three rows, you know. Sure. The, and I say, any minute you meet Lieutenant Andrade from 82 Engine, well, down the pole he comes nude, with <laughs> with Andy talking over his shoulder. <laughs> but how do the Yoda threat this? <laughs> anyway, he goes. He has a watch once. <laughs> He's shaking hands with, and the thing is, he's shaking each one of you. Well, they're all hysterical, except, except the chief of Los Angeles fire department. He didn't think it was so funny. He goes, he goes to Hagen and he says, I never was so involved. A guy come to, to nude, and he comes to, well, Hagen was kind of holding it back. He said, look, that's a crazy, but I can't get any lieutenants to work there. He said, the only two nuts that were working on place, so we have to bend a little <laughs> We gotta. We can't be so rigid. We gotta be flexible. Yeah, but he had a big schwanz and, 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 and he's shaking hands with each one. Yeah, that that would be. You'd be fired today. Oh my god. Oh, well, Captain Farrell, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for the stories. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the friendship and the tools. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I I don't know any other way to end it other than. Sell my book. Sell the buy the book. <laughs> buy, the book. <laughs> buy the book. Buy the book because it's going to uh, good proceeds. Uh, yeah, proceeds FBI good, on the Legion good and the Joe D. Memorial yeah, Fund. That's yeah, that's so. good stuff. Real quick, um, I wanted to ask you this before we leave. One last uh, good story. When you earned the James Gordon Bennett Medal, how did that come about? Well, we were on a, we were on the second alarm. We went on second over the. We were on Eighth Avenue. It was on Second Avenue. And when we arrived, the building was fully involved. You know, so his chief record, which uh, I was working under, a, uh, Lieutenant Kelly was his name. So Eckert says, Bill, I, I I haven't got the rear. You know, and see what you can do in the rear. So we went to the joining building, went up to the roof. The joining building, and we figured we could get on to the roof of the fire building, but it was it, that all went in, you know. So you couldn't get to the fire escapes, and uh, so all of a sudden, this woman hollers out, "Help! Help!" She's Anna McCune was the name. She's on the on the like the fourth floor, but fires under, over, and coming out over her head and everything. So the um, 35 truck had a roof rope. That's part of the second alarm business. They have to bring a roof rope, yeah. So the the lieutenant he says uh, he asked for a volunteer and I stepped forward you know it's uh, nobody wanted to do that <laughs> we had to go into the fire I had, I had, we we lowered close to it so I had pendulum swing together and it's a fire it's all over she's burning and I'm so I got her and she get tied in the Venetian blinds I, I have to hold her in one hand and the fire is burning me in my hand 
and I have to yank a rag, you know, free the Venetian blinds, and of course I did it, and we swung over to an adjoining fire escape, you know, but both of us were burned pretty bad. She had to go to the hospital and stay in it, and I got second degree burns, and, and they thought it was pretty good, you know. It's a... <laughs> wow. Good stuff. What a career, what a ride. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Halligans and Half Wheels podcast brought to you by Box 1971. Remember, train hard, we're all they have.